BBC Three Counties Radio. It's three minutes past six. It's Wednesday. Some of us here at BBC Three Counties Radio are feeling what I like to call the Wednesday lull. Little Wednesday. Oh, excited. It's Monday. Oh, it's Tuesday. Oh, hang on a minute. It's Wednesday. We're in the middle of the week. Thursday's not bad. Then it's Friday. We've got the Wednesday lull. I'm sure you could be feeling it as well. So, just, we'll get through this together. We'll metaphorically, not literally, because I don't like touching people, we'll metaphorically hold hands and traverse this mountainous slope to get out... Oh, no. Uh. You see, if I'd started that sentence on a Tuesday or a Thursday, oh, it would have been full of wonder and whimsy. As it was, it petered out. As I suspect I will, at about half past seven this morning. Lots coming up on the show this morning. As always, we'd like to have your say. Does anyone believe the Matrix signs on the M1? They're all over the shop. We ask, why? Stop being drunk on trains. It's bad for you. It's also a little bit annoying, stroke amusing for everyone else. Well, a safety campaign is being launched today. We ask, why? And Justin Dealey's banged his head on a post box. We ask... Well, you kind of get the idea. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. If you go there, I warn you, not safe for work. There is a picture of Dealey's bloody head. I'm not swearing. I'm being literal, although it is a bloody head. 81333, start your text 3CR, or give me a phone call. 08459 455555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. The Matrix signs on the motorway. Well, they're supposed to be a quick, easy way for the highways agency to warn you and me of roadworks, breakdowns, stray cows, and generally anything in the way that shouldn't be. Because, obviously, without seeing a sign and the the appropriate prompting from the grantees, we'd just go ploughing into them, wouldn't we? Wouldn't we? There's a cow... I wish I'd been warned about it earlier. But it turns out it's not quite working out the way it should. I do 13, junction 13 to 9 and back every single day. Yeah, nice stretch of The logic behind the speed control is just, well, there isn't any. For the most part, you'll find you'll be travelling along and they're all set at 60 during periods where traffic is busy. And then all of a sudden, for no apparent reason at all, you'll find, them, you'll find one goes to 50. And all of a sudden, everybody's braking at slow for 50 thereby creating a bottleneck. And then you'll see the next one is back to 60 again. For example, this morning, gone on at 13, signs are all 60. Um, and then for no apparent reason, between 13 and 12, they drop to 50. And then they drop to 40. And then they're back up to 60 again. And then you get to um, Toddington Services. The first sign after the Toddington Services has got the uh, keep left sign indicating that yeah. the hard shoulder is closed after uh, the Toddington Services. The very first one after that then says congestion use hard shoulder. And you oh. say, hang on a minute. So you're up and down the speed all the time. Approaching 11 on the southbound, uh, three signs before the junction, all of a sudden you've got 50 and 50. Now there's no change in the density of the traffic. It's all moving perfectly happily. It's not building up. If there'd have been traffic building up leaving the slip road at that junction, I could have understood them perhaps slowing the traffic down a bit. Well, that was Mark who called the show yesterday. And I promised him we'd take a, clo- a closer look at this. Because it is annoying, isn't it? 
well, people are now completely ignoring the signs, and technically, we could all get done for it. Well, here's our getting done for it correspondent, Justin Daly. Justin Daly, <laughs> what's going on? Yes, hello, Ian. Uh, Mark clearly not happy. And, no. and other motorists as well. We're, we're talking about the M1 here, uh, between Junction 9 and 13, and in my experience, the Matrix signs are incorrect. I'm often using that stretch of road myself, so... Uh, just to say, just, just to clarify, mm. these Matrix signs, they are in no way connected with the film franchise <laughs> of the same name, are they? <laughs> Not at all. No, okay. It's very bizarre, though, because sometimes you, you'll go 50, 40, 60, sometimes you'll 30? see the part... 30? even. 70? Um, no, not, not, no, not 70. Okay. Never seen 70 on no. there. Um, but w- what you often see is them flagging up accidents, then you get there and, and there is no accident. So, I've been talking to lorry drivers about this, I've been asking them, do they feel these signs are dangerous? They think they are dangerous. Here's what they had to say. In peak time traffic, yeah, very dangerous. Um because people don't take any notice of them anyway because it's just like a rat race everybody's in order everybody wants to get from a to b as fast as possible but the idea that that people are are slowing up using the brakes it goes from 40 to 50 to 60 then back down to 40 again by people constantly speeding up and then braking do do you think there's accidents waiting to happen there yes because it because it just causes a concertina effect if somebody breaks in front, everybody does the same. And nine times out of ten, it will cause an accident. Well, they could be, because you'll get people pulling in front of you from the outside lanes when there's no need to, and causing more congestion. And they can cause accidents, obviously, because the lorry driver's not expecting the vehicle to pull over because he's going quite well while the lanes are moving, and all of a sudden people start pulling in. Do you think we are going to see a serious accident very soon on the M1 unless something is done about it? Well, it's obvious it's going to happen, isn't it? They're often frustrating. They're often left on when they should have been switched off long ago. Traffic will slow down at a 40 or a 50, and then when you get to where the incident's supposed to be, there's absolutely nothing at all, and the traffic is just built up for nothing. I put this question to one of your colleagues here a moment ago, and I said, if this continues... Do you think these matrix signs will cause a serious accident? And it's got to be until that happens that, that something will then change. An accident will happen. It's, it's a surprise that it hasn't happened already. Because you, they, they change from 50, they'll go to 40, then the next one they'll go up to 60. There just don't, doesn't seem to be any continuity between them. And an accident will definitely, a massive accident will follow. There doesn't, never seems to be anybody switching them off or checking on them. I don't know quite honestly what they're doing, to be honest. Well, this seems to be the, the thing. It, it is the inconsistency, and there seems to be no logic behind it, Justin. Absolutely. I was at Tollington a few weeks ago, and somebody said to me, you're from the BBC, have you noticed the Matrix signs? It seems that, that everyone I'm talking to has certainly noticed. And, of course, uh, if you go down the M1, those signs, they have got speed cameras, so, yep. so people are going to panic. And, and the lorry drivers make a, an interesting point that, uh, you know, us motorists, we can brake, and we can brake a lot quicker than the lorry drivers. So if people are, are slowing down quicker, quickly when it goes down from 50 to 40 that's one thing but you could then have a lorry going into the back of a vehicle and as that driver said there a serious accident he believes will happen sooner rather than later unless something is done how's your head justin not particularly good thank you (laughs) (laughs) i shouldn't laugh we'll speak to you in about half an hour about that yeah thank you very much see you later on that's justin daly i'll explain the head thing later on uh, well, uh, later on in the show, we'll be uh, trying to get to the bottom of how these signs work. When we speak to the Highways Agency, they're the people responsible for them. 
I'll also speak to uh, lawyer Nick Freeman, known as Mr Loophole, about just how easy it is to enforce the speed limits when they change so quickly. Need your stories on this. If you've uh, travelled this stretch of the M1, Junction 13 d- down to uh, Junction 9, have you noticed the ridiculous matrix signs? Where the, 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 one minute it's 70, then it's 50, then it's 60, and it, it, there seems to be no logic behind it. 08459 455 555. Morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, Network Rail are launching a campaign later on to try and get people to be less drunk on trains. Posters will be put up in stations with optical illusions of wine and beer glasses, giving the impression that the page is moving. It's hoped that it will make people think twice before getting sloshed, because apart from being a nuisance and making a mess, well, you can also become a cropper. Sam Kelly is from Network Rail and joins me now. Morning, Sam. Morning, Ian. Sam, why have you decided to launch this campaign? What we're trying to do is to highlight the consequences of people taking a tumble our stations. In the last year, we've seen people bruise themselves, dislocate shoulders, sprain their ankles, cut themselves, and we don't want anyone. To, um, we don't want that to happen to, to anyone. We want people to get home safely. But why do people need to be aware of, of when travelling through railway stations after being a night out? Surely we should be encouraging people who've had a bit too much to drink to get on trains, shouldn't we? Yeah, of course. I mean, we don't. We want people to have a good time to go out as they normally do. What, but what we're saying is that what we've seen is that alcohol can um, be a contributory factor when people have accidents at our train stations. They're, they're rushing home. There's lots of steps and escalators at stations, so they can be quite tricky environments. You know, particularly if you've had a drink. So we're just saying to people, take take extra care because I mean, we do have a responsibility to get people home safe. How much is this campaign costing? Um, I mean, th- th- there's obviously a marketing campaign behind it. I don't have the exact figure with me, but it's important. I mean, it's it's, um, it's across all our 17 managed stations. So we're going to have posters and YouTube videos as well. Okay. Do you think it's going to have any effect, Sam, at all? Seriously? Well, we- I mean, we hope, we hope it does. I mean, that, this is why we're, we're trying to put, we have the posters. We're not, we're not trying to lecture people here. We're, we're trying to do it in a fun, in a fun way, obviously, with, with, with YouTube videos and in posters to remind people, but this has got a really serious side to it because we don't want any, you can really hurt yourself here. So what we're trying to say to people is, use your common sense. We don't want to see you, you know, fall off an escalator or steps at our stations. Somet- sometimes, though, Sam, late at night, yeah. seeing, seeing a drunk stumble, they can be entertaining drunks at train stations, can't they? Well, it, dep- it, it depends if, you, if you're having a good time, but you can stop having a good time when, you, when you've hurt yourself. Yes. Um, and, you, and you can't... But as, 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 as watching someone being a little bit tipsy, as long as they're not being obnoxious and, you know, getting their dinkle out, it, they can be quite entertaining, can't they? I think it's fine for people to go out and, and have a good time, and we're not trying to stop that for one second, no. but... I think what, what we want to see is that we want people to go to our stations without hurting themselves, and that's really the objective of the campaign. OK, Sam, thank you very much indeed. That's Sam Kelly from Network Rail, who does, doesn't want drunk people to um, hurt themselves at train stations. I don't want drunk people to hurt themselves at train stations. I don't want anybody to hurt themselves at train stations. Uh, but some, sometimes, you see a drunk person at a train station, you think, oh, this is going to be fun. Yeah, I'm going to follow this fella, because this will be a laugh. Uh, and it, it can be, can't it? Anyone else think... Do, a little bit patronising. A little bit patronising to say, hey, be careful, huh? You might fall down an escalator. Yay, steady on. A little bit, I suspect. Is it going to have any effect whatsoever? I, I don't think so. Dr- drunk's going to be drunks, aren't they? Aren't they? As long, and as long as you're not getting your, your doodahs out, 
As long as you don't. Do you know what? The politest drunk I ever saw on a train was in Japan. This is how great the Japanese are, and this is why one day, when uh, when, when everybody I know is gone, I'm going to move there, is they get really drunk in Japan. They cannot, I don't know why, they cannot handle um, their alcohol. They can't. It's a fact. It's not racist. That's a fact. Uh, and particularly if they're having that sake, because that is a killer. But they can't handle their alcohol. Their, their evenings are very early in Japan. They kind of go out, whereas on a Friday night we'll go out nine ten o'clock they'll go out like six o'clock so by half seven they're all completely sloshed we saw this this drunk uh, three drunk people businessmen in suits get on a train and one of them did not look good one of them was was pretty much passed out he threw up on the train and it was you know enjoy your breakfast kids he threw up on the train but his mates sobered him up and they cleaned it up they cleaned it up. That, my friends, is class. That is the classy Japanese drunk that you don't get in this country. Mm. There's a thought there somewhere. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Cha cha cha, Neil Sadaka, ka 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 ka. <laughs> oh, I like Neil Sadaka. So apparently, talking at meal times boosts children's confidence. Who doesn't talk? This is a, a story on the BBC website. I've just um, that has just flashed up in front of me. Who doesn't talk to their children at meal times? I'll tell you who. Some people who are related to me. I don't want to go into too much detail, although they've left the country. What they do? It's my brother-in-law. What he does is they give the kids iPads at meal time. Shut up. Watch this. Watch the hoops. Watch the hoops, watch the, the, what are they called, the wigglers? The wigglers, the wrigglers, the wigglies. The wiggle, the wiggles, that's it. A fruit salad, fruit salad. A mashed potato, mashed potato. <laughs> that's them. They do a song about a big red car. Anyway, so what they do is they give them uh, iPads and let them watch stuff. No, 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 at mealtime, at mealtime. You'll agree with this, uh, mums and dads, boys and girls. <laughs> You'll agree, won't you? At mealtime, you sit down, you have a chat with them. What have you done today? What, what bit of that food are you enjoying? What, what did you do? What do you, what do you fancy doing tomorrow? That's what you do. Are there any parents out there? And if there are, I say shame on you. You do, do not deserve your children. Are there any parents out there listening to this now who do not sit down with their children and have meals with them? Who do not talk to their kids at mealtimes? If you, do, if you do not talk to your children, if you allow your children to watch TV whilst they're eating their supper, I'll say it now, you're a bad mum. You're a bad dad. You're a bad grandparent. 08459 four double five five double five. If you do not sit down with your children and talk to them during meals, if you allow them to look at iPads or watch television whilst they're eating their chicken nuggets and chips, then you are a bad parent. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. The more I think about this, the anger I'm getting. Why? Surely it's obvious that you want to talk to your kids at mealtime. The fact that it's being flagged up means that some people don't, which means those people are bad parents, which means those people should not have children. Shouldn't be allowed to have them. These are also the same kids, your kids, are the irritating ones that run around in giraffe or run, run around in the, the old Maison Blanc or anywhere because they don't know how to behave. If they haven't got a screen in front of them, they don't know how to behave. Oh, it's okay, they're just five years old. No, make them sit down and eat their meal. That's what you need to do. And if they don't sit down and eat their meal, you as a family pay the bill, you get up and you go out. And you don't come back until you've taught them how to behave in a restaurant. 
Oh, oh, the boys are just running around. Where are they? They're over there. We'll go and get them, because they're running around near me. Hate it. I hate it. If you do not, and I, I, I say this and I mean this, if you do not sit down, can we get, like, an expert on this? I'm trying to think. You're not, Catherine Bell, you're not an expert. I am. You're just, you're just a lady. You're, you're an expert at this. Do your kids run around in no, restaurants? No, they don't, because they sit at the table at home. And do when we're in restaurants, people remark on how good they are. But that's quite easy. It takes a bit of work, but that's quite easy well, to do. You just educate them. Yeah, they, you sit there and you, we'll have a chat. It's quite nice to go out to a restaurant. You sit at home with them. Do they, do they watch TV? Or no, the, the, yeah, the telly off. Do, do they, they have the wireless on. Oh, do they look at phones while no. they're having their supper? No, and nor does my husband. Do they? Although he tries. Fly in front of me. Go away, fly. Do they have TVs in their bedrooms? No, we've only got one telly. You see, this is this is wonderful news to my ears. Do you know what we do? Yeah. We read books. Oh, God, no. What I'm not those... one of those weird no-telly families, yeah. but we do read books. We read books. My little boy would rather... Quite often he says, can we turn the TV off, Daddy, so I can re- you can read me a book? Yeah, fine. I'll have some of that. 08459 455 555. If you let your kids watch TV whilst they're eating, if you don't sit down and talk to them while they're eating every single meal... If you let them run around in restaurants, you, my friend, are a bad parent. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Sorry, Justin, I'm going off on a rant on this one. So okay, I'm enjoying the rant. It's I'm, lovely. I'm angry. I'm very yeah. angry about you this. You angry? No. Could you? This. I know we're going to talk about something in a second, but mm. could you later on this morning? Do you think go and find see if you can find any parents who don't talk to their children at meal times? Yeah, I will do just that. Who for you. let them watch TV at meal times? Who think it's acceptable to be sat in the pizza hut and allow their little scrotes to run around willy nilly between tables, screaming and shouting? <laughs> Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. Anyway, we're not here uh, to bully parents just yet. We're here to laugh at you. I know, I know. I I woke up this morning, and uh, now I'm I'm not on Facebook as much. I I go on there first thing in the morning and last thing at night. And uh, the the headline from your page was flashing up... uh, What what, what was it you said? Uh, I can't really repeat what I said, but um, I managed to crack my head open last night on a communal post box in my flat, and I feel like an idiot this morning. Well, you said hashtag feel like a right so-and-so, didn't you? Yes, 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 that's true. So hang on, you cracked your head on a post but i thought it was uh, you know a big red pillar box no. but this was in your flat exactly i think anybody who owns a flat will know what i'm talking about here you've got a, a post box at the bottom and you've got about um, 10 15 20 however many people live in those flats you you've all got your individual post box but it sticks out from the wall like a big box yeah so what yeah. i did i dropped something on the floor i then got myself back up and i knocked my head right on the corner of that post box and sorry if you're having a breakfast but there was blood everywhere i was going somewhere i phoned ahead and i said right i'll be there in 15 minutes can you get the first aid box at the ready i think i might need stitching as it turns out i don't need stitches but i feel like a right idiot you have got a big gash i know it's horrible and you showed us your gash this morning (laughs) and it is thoroughly thoroughly you you, and there is if you want to see justin's gash Mm. facebook.com forward slash bbc 3cr we've got a picture uh, of his uh gash don't all run at once it is it I'm looking at it now. It is awful. Yeah, it's not pleasant at all, but um, other injuries out Nice there. dressing table, though. Thank you, thank <laughs> you. And nice teddy bear as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is, it, but but what, what, what strikes me... I mean, listen, this is a tragic incident, and, and, and it could happen to anyone mm. once. <laughs> but this has happened to you... 
before you have previous of bumping your head yep. on this mailbox. I've got a theory here that all men over six foot are a bit clumsy, so it's not the first time I've done it. I'm often dropping things. When I drop things, obviously you come up in a bit of a hurry. Whack! Right on the edge of the post box. No blood before, but yesterday it was um, pretty brutal, and um, I'm feeling a little bit dizzy today. Well, and you... <laughs> again, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're being very modest here. The story is better than you're making it sound. Mm. You passed out and woke up outside somebody <laughs> else's front door, didn't you? I, did. I, I was suddenly on the floor, outside <laughs> door number 11. <laughs> I don't live here. Who lives here? This is door number 11. <laughs> I literally woke up, I was on the floor, ooh, ooh, and then got up and moved on. But um, do you know what, Ian? Yep. I'm here, yep. and I'm fighting on Good just life. for you, boss, just I know. for you. Oh, listen, we've, we've all done it, and I, I do want to throw this out this morning. Ever, uh, uh, hurt or damage yourself in an embarrassing way. The last I- embarrassing uh, accident I had was where I, I nearly chopped my finger off uh, trying to unscrew the blade on the lawnmower. <laughs> and I cut it, and it was one of those things where it didn't bleed for a second. I thought, oh, I've got away with that. Oh, my God! Oh. And it was just gushing out of me. My finger went white. I, and there was no one in the house. I was very brave about it. Mm. There was no one in the house. So I went and ran it under a cold tap. And I couldn't... Every time I went away from the tap to try and find a plaster or something, uh, just blood spurted everywhere. In the end, my little boy, he likes to pretend he's a doctor. Right. Uh, not, you know, doesn't go into GP surgeries or anything. It's just at home. And he's got a dirty old bandage that he uses to bandage things up like teddy bears and stuff. And I found this bandage, and I managed to bandage my finger but i think a a thread of the bandage got into the gash and it's now stuck under my finger i can kind of see it under the skin and the tip of my um, well my bird my middle finger on my right hand it's now numb and this was this was about a year ago i did this you know what the more i get to know you the weirder you get thank you very much justin dealey right two jobs for you i want you to go out and find irresponsible parents who don't talk to their children and other people see if you can redeem yourself justin can Mm. you find someone who has sustained a more embarrassing injury than yours today yes i shall uh, do both those things for you no problem excellent stuff my dear Ta-ta. Thank you, there we go uh, if you want to see um justin's uh, um bump to the head oh it's we, he, he offered us two pictures one was the bump to the head one was uh, a, a bloody tissue we, we we went for the bump to the head facebook.com forward slash bbc 3cr uh, or you can give us a call, 08459 555. I once did a phone-in years ago on injuries you sustained in bed. Oh, there was so... I know, th- and they weren't all um, gymnastic. One of them was a, was a fellow who had a, a shelf above his bed with his stacking stereo system on it, and uh, it, it fell on him in the night, but he didn't know until he woke up, and he woke up and he had stereo all over him and a massive cut on his head. <laughs> he slept through it! Yes, yes... You cannot go wrong with that. 08459 455 555. I've said it before. We did a phone-in, didn't we, a while ago, about uh, if you allow televisions in your children's be- uh, bedroom, you are lacking as a parent. Of course, they shouldn't have TVs in their bedrooms. When they're 16, then maybe I'll consider it. If they've spent the last 16 years being good, then maybe I'll consider it. But you shouldn't have a TV in your bedroom before the age of 16. We had one mum phone-in who's got a three-year-old with a TV in there, watches D- falls asleep watching DVDs. no. No, 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 no. We don't do that. We don't. We let. We teach them how to fall asleep uh, on their own, or we read them to sleep. Or a push, I'll let you sing them to sleep. But that's it. And at the dining table, it's such a basic thing. It gets me so angry. Sit down with your kids. Oh, it's not always possible. Yes, it is. Oh no, I haven't got. Yes, it is. If you've made the food, you can sit down with them for twenty minutes and, and eat with them, or at the very least, watch them eat and talk to them. Oh, and here's another thing, bad parents, of which there are one or two listening to this. Turn off your mobile phones at the dining table. Switch your phone off. 
Don't believe, I, I'm loving not having this smartphone now. I'm loving it. Don't just sit there while they're eating their pizzas, their frozen pizzas. Look, the Facebooking your cousin in Australia. Turn your phone off. Oh, the phone's ringing. I've got to get it. But Mama, no, I'm on the phone. Don't do that. For goodness sake, that's what an old phone sounds like when you drop it. And you can drop it and not be afraid of breaking it. Uh, if you do not talk to your children if you, while they're eating, if you allow them to watch television, if you are on your mobile phone, if you're not even in the same room as them, then you are a bad parent. And I'm getting a little bit hot under the collar about this. 08459 455 555. Can anybody argue otherwise? I don't think you can. This morning, I'm speaking sense. Right. Dealey's bumped his head. We're laughing. It could have been quite serious. But we're laughing. Uh, he, he bumped it by uh, standing up too quickly uh, and uh, knocking it on a... I still don't quite understand what this thing is. He's described... It's the, the, his letterbox, basically. His letterbox in his flat, he bumped his head on it. There's a massive cut on his head. If you want to see it, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. Uh, we're asking, have you... Uh, it, it's a, a, a staple of phone-in radio, but it's always good fun. How have you injured yourself? Chris is from Milton Keynes. Morning, Chris. Good morning, Ian. Chris, what have you done? Yeah, I've done something really silly at home as well before. Go on. Um, I just, I just been and got the car out the garage. I uh, went to go back into the house to get something, but my front door is about two steps down. Yeah. Uh, and over the top of that, I have a nice big porch. And unfortunately, I had a bit too much spring in my step, and oh. I managed to hit my head on the porch. What? Um, I cracked my head open. Um, and ended up having to be taken to hospital and have my head glued back together. Whoa, they glued it back together?! Yep. So how, 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 well, I was about to say how serious was the injury. It sounds pretty serious. Was there blood everywhere? Yeah, there was quite a lot of blood. At first, at first I thought I was absolutely fine. I didn't think I'd done anything. Yeah. Um, I felt fine. And then I saw the blood streaming down my face, and then I went very lightheaded, and that was that, really. <laughs> and who took you, were you with, with, uh, there with your wife or something, and somebody said, look, actually, mate, uh, Chris, I think you're going to have to go to hospital. Um, I, you know, I can't even remember now. I think, <gasps> I yeah, I mean, I ended up in hospital, was sitting in the uh, waiting room for about half an hour. They called me through, and then they put the glue in there, and uh, and then um, everyone else arrived to have a look and see what I've done and have a laugh. <laughs> well, Chris, thank you very much indeed. It, it, it is funny when people injure themselves. It is. There's nothing funnier than an old lady falling over in the ice, and I don't and, and I don't mean that in a rude way. And of course, it's not funny, but it is funny, isn't it? It's a genetic thing that you cannot deprogram yourself from going. Oh. You're right, love. On Facebook, uh, lots of you, it turns out, are very, very clumsy. David Bryder says, I was walking down the road once, got distracted by something on the other side of the road, and managed to walk straight, in, straight into a tree, which wouldn't be so bad were it not for the fact I walked down that bit of road every morning and the tree was huge. Uh, Richard Compton says, Justin got a nice dressing table. Justin, Justin got a nice dressing table, yes, Richard. He got one. Gary Henderson, I was walking down the road when there was a motorbike coming. Still walking, I turned to look. Why do we turn to look at motorbikes? But I think it's a bloke thing. We do, oh, a motorbike. Walked straight into the traffic light. Boom, knocked myself out. Knocked myself out. I don't think I've ever been knocked out completely. I've done that. Th- I did, I, you know, I did this um, last night, in fact. I was under the table trying to find that little blue calculator so I could get into my Barclays account. Couldn't find it. All oh, those flipping kids. And I was under the table, and I got up too quickly and whacked my head on the table. And did, I just did that thing of, of just kind of swaying there. You know, a bit all right. Oh. Uh, and Rob says, sue the Royal Mail for negligence. Let me guess, the box was in the wrong place. Cha-ching. He means ka-ching. No, Rob, this was in, this was in Justin Dealey's flat. 
That's what makes it so ridiculous. Our homes, do you know, between 1% and 100% of all accidents happen within our very own homes. It's an incredible statistic when you analyse it. 08459 455 555. Bad parents and ridiculous accidents. There could be a correlation, if we think about it. Well, hang on a second. The Times, too, is uh, promising to... The, the 20 best performances of all time. Hang on a second. Uh, oh, it's like boring ones. It's uh, King Lear and um, uh, dance and stuff. Oh, no, Iggy Pop. There we go. Okay, right, anyway. The Times. Um, the weather was an anything but glorious at Goodwood yesterday. It's a, it's a man getting rained on. Nice, lovely. Uh, benefit cut urged to curb new migrants. Cameron studies proposals to limit EU influx. David Cameron is being urged to stop EU migrants claiming benefits during their first two years in Britain in a radical move to tighten Brussels' labour laws. Okay, so he's that won't have any effect. The Daily Telegraph, Tory advice. Backs fracking in desolate northeast. Oh, this is uh, the MP who said the, the northeast was desolate. Well, let's be honest. No, well, I'm not going to go there. Humphreys, a victim of BBC left wing bias, and how the bank sold Nazis stolen gold. I saw an amazing picture yesterday of the uh, England football team doing all of them doing a Nazi salute. It was 1938. I should I should have put that in before actually otherwise it, 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 it paints a different picture. 1938 England football team uh, playing against Germany and they're all doing a Nazi salute. Are there I was thinking that I, I was thinking about this last night. Are there only two types of salute? There's the proper salute. And that's just that salute. And then there's that's the Nazi salute. Are there any other salutes? There's not. There are just there are just the two salutes on there. Think that the navy and the army salute in a different way. Go on. I think one of them's like that. Oh, a bit like more Benny Hill. No, no, Mister I may be wrong. And yep. one of them looks a bit more. But next it's still man. The, it's still the hand up to the forehead, isn't it? Yeah, because it's doffing your cap. Isn't it? Well, it, well, no, that's doffing your cap is when yeah, you but take that's your what cap they used off. To do, you like tip the hat. Well, no, that the salute is not a doffing of the hat. That's what it was. No, it's not. Yes, it was. It's not. It's so you can see in the distance. <laughs> so the sun doesn't blind you. So you look. Um, Mysterious. Okay, so we've got three potential salutes. There's the the army, the navy, the Nazi. Is there is there any other salute? I'm serious. I don't think there is. There's only so much you can not that. There's only so much you can do with your hands. Is there? Oh, hang on, girl guides. Fair play, she's got me there. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Today we're celebrating the magic of the salute. <laughs> we're not. But if you've got something on that, you want to say, you're more than welcome to. Right. Let's get the travel now with Craig. Or Emily Stushi. Morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties. During Lee's excellent bulletin, I treated myself, I found myself wandering the corridors of BBC Three Counties like a, a sad lost soul. I found myself uh, in front of the chocolate machine. I suddenly found myself reaching in my pocket. There was a shiny gold pound coin. It slipped into the machine. Then with the press of a few buttons, not only did I get 30 pence change, I also got a lovely, delicious Mars bar. Fantastic. Yes, another one. My second of the day. And I had, I had two kiwi... I had one and a half kiwi fruit for breakfast, so I, this kind of balances it out. The kiwi was a bit off. I think it's giving me a dicky tummy. Lots coming up on the show today, including does anyone believe the Matrix signs on the M1? They're all over the shop at the moment. Well, we ask, why? Stop being drunk on trains, for goodness sakes. It's bad for you, and it can be a little bit annoying for everyone else. Well, a safety campaign is being launched today, and we ask, why? And Justin Dealey's banged his head on a postbox. We ask... How? 
facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text 81333, start your text 3CR, and you can give me a phone call 08459 455555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. A couple of other things. Well, the, the reason we're discussing Dealey's um, poorly head is that there's a nasty gash on his head. Um, the, the injuries. It's, it's the staple of the radio phone-in, but I thought we'd dip in there. Uh, it, awkward, embarrassing, ridiculous, stupid injuries, or injuries where really there shouldn't have been one. 08459 455 555. And uh, th- there is a, a campaign out urging parents to talk to their, meal, uh, their children at meals, meal times. There is a campaign urging parents to talk to their children at meal times? Parents need to be urged by a campaign for this? Some parents, and I know them, uh, will sit their children in front of iPads or iPhones or the TV. Sit down, eat your dinner and shut up. Those are the same children that will be running around in giraffe or costa, upsetting everybody. I don't, I don't matter. Oh, he's only young. No. He may be young, but learn some manners. Learn a bit of respect. If you don't talk to your kids at mealtime, if you allow them to watch the television, if you give them an iPad or something like that to look at whilst they're eating, then you, my friend, are a bad parent. There is no justification for it at all. 08459 455 555. Now, The Matrix, it was a rubbish film, and it would seem it's not much better as a method of motorway signage. No one's paying any attention to the variable speed limit signs along the M1. This morning, there actually was a man at work. One man at work. But often you're told to file into one lane for absolutely nothing. Well, Mark called me yesterday. He was very frustrated. So you're up and down the speed all the time. And there's no change in the density of the traffic. It's all moving perfectly happily. It's not building up. And then the next one is 60, the one between the uh, exit and the entrance on the southbound. Um, and then you've got one at 50, and then it goes to 60 again. Well, our reporter, Rubber Duck Justin, spoke to some truckers. Very dangerous. Um, because people don't take any notice of them anyway. Well, they could be, because you get people pulling in front of you from the outside lanes when there's no need to and causing more congestion. And they can cause accidents, obviously. They're often frustrating. They're often left on when they should have been switched off long ago. Traffic will slow down at a 40 or a 50, and then when you get to where the incident's supposed to be, there's absolutely nothing at all. We can join now by Paul McWilliam, Duty Operations Manager from the Highways Agency. Paul, who's pressing the buttons? Is it, as Mark suggested yesterday, a monkey running wild? No, I can assure you it's not, Ian. Um... The, the signs are set once, uh, oh, sorry, once managed motorways are set um, open, and we set them at 60, and that's an automated system. But why does it keep changing them? Why do some say 60, then the next one says 50, but, but when there's nothing actually happening in the road? Well, um, normally there is something happening, but if you slow down, by the time you get down the road, it's clear. Uh, we have a queue protection system built into the, into the road that activates the signs. Um, however, there is a little glitch that we are aware of. If we get a slow-moving vehicle, and that's normally something like a crane or something like that, it does pick it up and it will activate it, but it clears quite quickly. So, so hang on a second. There is a technical problem with this in as much as you've got, you've got a big, slow, lumbering vehicle. What, that that's, causes the signs to flash up for everyone to slow down? 
No, no, they will, the signs will be on anyway at 60, but we're talking between the M1 junctions, 13 down to 10 and, and 10 to 13. If a slow-moving vehicle does go over the Midas, which is built into the road, then it, sometimes it will activate the signs and slow them down. But it does then recognise that this and then goes back up. And how long does it take for it to go back up? Um, I've no idea about the time, but we're talking about a very short period. You're talking minutes. The, the first sign after Toddington services on the M1 yesterday said hard shoulder closed. Yep. And the next one says congestion use hard shoulder. But, but it, it's confusing, isn't it? The, what we have there, no, what, what we have is we have um, different links that we can open. So rather than have it all dependent on one link, we have three different links in each direction and one of the links could be closed and then the next one will be open and that link could be closed for uh, numerous reasons but how does that make the motorway move smoother and faster well we're increasing the capacity by allowing the traffic to drive down the hard shoulder so we condition it down to 60 and and i mean people have got to realize that by doing this i know the signs are on 60 but if they go back three or four years you were constantly queuing through this section i'm talking before the roadworks now i would question when people are queuing when there's no incidents we've we've had lots of uh, comments from lorry drivers who spoke who we spoke to who said they've got real concerns about the safety of drivers using that stretch they're on the roads every day so for them to say that that, that it would imply that something clearly isn't working um, well, I just heard that some of the comments then, and I was trying to think, what, what are they referring to with regards to safety? I mean, it's proven... Uh, the well, if it changes from 60 down to 40, the, the people are going to break suddenly, and that, that could cause problems, couldn't it? Well, there's normally a hazard ahead, and then we want you to slow down rather than people climbing into the back of stationary traffic. Oh, of course, but no one, no one has seen these hazards. That's the thing, and I know what you mean about it, it, it could have cleared up, but, but we have had literally, we talked about this yesterday and today, we have literally no one front up and say, well, yeah, I've seen hazards. No one sees the hazard. Okay. Which would uh, imply uh, there is a technical problem. No, no, there's no technical problem. I mean, I did say that if we get a slow-moving vehicle, but it does rectify itself afterwards. Um, and, and we can r- switch it off if we need to. If we recognise that it keeps coming on, we can uh, recondition it and switch it off. Is there a human being watching it, or is it all automated? No, no, the, the, the majority of the signs you see will be automated. However, we can switch them on if we're made aware of an incident. And some of the calls that we get, we get told that, that this time of year we're getting roof boxes falling off cars, uh, and we get it somewhere Ouch. north of Toddington, I know, and somewhere north of Toddington Services. And we haven't got a Pacific location. So what we automatically do, I have operators at uh, South Mims, where we'll put automatically 50s on until we've located where this incident is. Okay. And uh, are we going to see more systems like this around the country, do you think? You will see more and more technology being used and using uh, more and more, like, managed motorways instead of new roads or widening roads yes we will okay and and listen of course i completely understand safety is the primary uh uh, concern but the the, the reason we're raising this is some people just find it a little bit confusing stay there paul mark was the caller yesterday mark but paul uh, mcwilliam there from uh, highways agency he he puts forward a good argument the primary concern is safety has he answered your questions well, the basic premise for the for the whole system uh, is a great idea. However, I think the application is flawed. Um, having an automated system, well, is that a great idea? Perhaps in some cases, yes. I mean, I've seen the system working very, very well. There's no doubt that in times of uh, you know congestion, um, running the whole place through at 60 makes a lot of sense. But then, during those times, up until fairly recently. 
you would always find that between 13 and, uh, and Junction 10, that all of the matrix signs, with the exception of the ones uh, that run through the area where Toddington is, Toddington Services, there'll be 60. And then between the, uh, the ones uh, north and south of Toddington on the southbound, you would find that they're unrestricted. And you think, why, why is that? It, makes, it doesn't seem to make a lot of logical sense. Well, let's ask, let's, ask, let's ask Paul. Paul, why is that? Do you know? Yes, there is. What we have through the Tonnington service area is what we call all-lane running, where you, we don't have a hard shoulder at all. So the road is conditioned to 70 mile hour all the time. However, what we have done, we have listened to customer feedback on this, and um, we've decided now that we'll, if the 60s are on because of managed motorways, we're going to run 60s through that section as well. So, this, and that, that's, so that's a recent development, so that, that could clear that's, up any confusion that may have happened in the past? Yeah, we've listened to customer feedback, and now what we're doing is when the, the, the links are open either side of the services, 60s will be on through, through the Tonington area. Mark, makes sense? That makes much more sense. It's much more logical to have that, um, you know, uh, a continuous um, standard uh, speed flow right the way through. Um, and when that works, that's great. However, when it doesn't work is when you've got nothing illuminated. I mean, I'll give you an example. Two weeks, about three weeks ago now, travelling home uh, uh, of an evening, uh, very low density traffic, um, uh, moving very, very smoothly. Uh, unable to travel at, at uh, you know, reasonably decent speed. Um, no signs uh, on at all until I got past Junction 12, and I think the third sign lit up and hit 50. Okay? Out of nowhere, with no warning, uh, with nothing. I mean, there certainly weren't any slow vehicles about. And now that caused uh, a, a wave of braking. Okay, which, in my opinion, was exceptionally dangerous. And I think that, so just in trucks, we are running out of time, Paul. That, I think that could be the, the kind of danger factor that, that we have spoken about, that these signs suddenly change, uh, and, and people, of course, don't want to get flashed. They don't want to get a ticket, so th- th- they stop, they slow down quite suddenly. Yeah, I'm, uh, this specific incident I'm not aware of, but what I can say is that if we, commish, if we, we can manually switch them on, and it's normally been made aware of an incident ahead, yeah. um, and they will go to 50s, um, and I'm afraid people need to slow down, and we're warning them that there could be an, uh, you know, something a, a, ahead of you. Uh, listen, we, we have to end it there, gentlemen. We're running out of time. Uh, Paul McWilliam uh, was the last voice there, duty operations manager from the Highways Agency. Thank you very much. Uh, and uh, the other gentleman was uh, Mark, Mark Gilbert, who called us with the problem. Well, it's safety is the main concern, and of course, of course we want to be safe on the motorways, don't we? Give, give us your calls. Oh, eight four five nine four double five five double five. Do you buy what Paul says? He's had a very thoroughly decent chap to me. He's had a very sensible, very, uh, very honourable. Have you noticed these problems? Oh, eight four five nine four double five. Five double five. After eight, I'll be talking to lawyer Nick Freeman, known as Mr Loophole, about just how easy it is to enforce the speed limits when they change so quickly. Here's a question. Speak freely when uh, you answer this one. Do you obey the matrix? Or if you see that it says 50, you think, oh, 50, I'll slow down to 70, and um, I'll, I'll, I'll see something in the distance, I'll be able to stop. I'll stop when the, tr- when the traffic slows down. Do you obey the matrix? Sorry, my mouth's a bit clarty from that Mars bar. A cup of tea would uh, really help it. <laughs> oh, dear. This morning, we are asking, how safe do you feel when travelling through railway stations late at night? Well, according to Network Rail, more than 1,600 people have been hurt in the last year through accidents, many of them caused by people having had one too many drinks. 
Well, this morning, our reporter, Justin Dealey, is, uh, where are you, Justin? You're at Luton train station, is that right? Yeah, Luton train station. I have to say, um, I, I see it quite often, actually, at weekends, people drunk on trains, and I was a bit tipsy myself the other week, and there's nothing wrong with that, but, of course, it's, it's when people get on the trains and, and they become aggressive. That, of course, is uh, when it does become a major problem. Well, when we spoke to the, um, uh, no, I haven't got a special one. When we spoke, sorry, I'm, I'm just putting in a tea order while I'm doing that. So unprofessional. When we spoke to the, the lady who was uh, involved with this campaign, it seemed to be more about warning people, warning drunk people, to be careful coming down escalators and not to sprain their ankles. And I, I, I didn't quite understand that. But you could say that for anywhere. You yep. could say if you're going to a hotel, well, be careful when you're walking down the stairs if you're drunk. Be careful when you're walking down the street. Be careful if you walk into the toilet. If you've got to go up the stairs in a pub, you could say that about anywhere, couldn't you? Mm. You've been talking to people this morning, have you, Justin? Yes, I have. Um, spoke to one man. He said to me that uh, on a Friday evening about 8 o'clock, he reckons that over half the train, they are drunk. Um, here's another commuter going into London this morning, and he's been telling me his experiences of uh, drunks on trains. Yeah, it can get quite bad later in the evening, but it's generally OK during the day. So late at night, then, what have you seen? What have you experienced? Yeah, it's more about people kind of just having had too much to drink, being loud, rather than, in my experience, gangs of people. It just tends to be individuals or groups of two or three that tend to get a bit loud. More good-natured than violent, yeah. It's, it, it's less than, for example, you get outside a pub. So it's not as aggressive. Um, I think people have probably just had one too many. They're more kind of falling over and can get a bit loud. But in my experience, it's not aggressive as such. Do you feel a bit threatened because... Here you are, you, you know, you're a smart guy, you go into work, you're on your own. If there's two or three people, they've had a few beers and they are quite loud, there's nobody there to help you if anything was to happen. Do you feel almost under threat there? Um, I personally don't feel under threat, but it would be much better if somebody was actually on the train that represented the train company. But me personally, as an adult male, um, with a little bit of common sense, generally speaking, I think I would probably walk away from a carriage if I was able to at the next stop and you keep your head down if it actually gets kind of threatening. Um, if I was a woman, uh, you might get a different answer. Well, Justin, but surely we should be encouraging drunk people to use trains, shouldn't we? <laughs> we what, what are they going to do? Drive? Yeah, exactly. You know, you've got to draw the line somewhere, but, but you know, you, you think to yourself, on a Friday evening it's a rush hour train, if you like, once you go beyond that, then you are going to get the drunks. Yeah. Would I really want my mum sitting on a train when you've got two or three lads that have had a few to drink, and they're, alright, darling, and you hear it all the time, don't you? Would I want that? No, I wouldn't. And, I, and I, I'm very uh, sorry, Justin, for when I did say, alright, darling, to your mum, <laughs> that, was, that was out of order. She said to me, yeah. it was this tall lanky yep. guy yep. who had a, quite a loud laugh it was you it, i'm very sorry that was that was in, and i wasn't even drunk <laughs> i wasn't even drunk justin thank you very much indeed we'll find out how justin's head is a bit later on but first tony holland is security manager with first capital connect they run the line from bedford through st albans into london tony are, are drunk people much of a problem on trains can, can i just start say, i think there's two there's two things to take into consideration one is tony Tony, we're going to try and get Tony back. We seem to have uh, lost Tony there. He was, he was telling us there are two things to take into consideration. We will hopefully find out what those two things are at some point in the show. What do you think? I, I mean, yes, you, you see a group... Well, I was going to say you see a group of drunk lads on a train. It's intimidating. Take the word drunk out. It's still intimidating, isn't it? You see a group of lads on a train. It's intimidating. Keep your head down. Don't make eye contact, you know. 
Uh, drunks on trains, I, I, I can genuinely see both sides of the argument on this. Of course, we don't want them being obnoxious and being aggressive and being overly loud. But, Friday night, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, how are drunk people supposed to get home? We can't ban them. We can't say, you're not welcome on here. How else are they going to do it? In their cars? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. I'd like to know your thoughts on this. Do you think more should be done to uh, stop drunk people getting in the way on trains, being obnoxious? Is a campaign with posters and some YouTube videos, which I'm certainly never going to look at, are they going to have any effect whatsoever? Really? If you're drunk, you'll have a laugh at it. You might even uh, graffiti on it or do a wee-wee or something on it. That's what drunk people do. You're not going to look at the YouTube video and go, oh, hang on, lads, you know we would go out for Steve's 30th on Friday night and get... Well, maybe we should just stick to the soft drinks. How about that? Tony's back, I think. Hello, Tony. I, I, I'm back. I don't know what happened there. I'm really sorry. No, don't apologise. We I, lost you. We got you back. Tony Holland, security manager for First Capital Connect. You had two points you wanted to raise. Th- there were two points. Um, f- firstly, um, in, in terms of people that drink alcohol, there's two issues. There's the antisocial element yeah. that some people um, end, end up being. But the other part uh, about with Network Rail's campaign is about safety. And we want people to go out and enjoy themselves. But sometimes when people do have a drink, they become less conscious of their their, their behaviour, and and sometimes they can put themselves in danger. And things like what you mentioned about running on on escalators and things like that, they are they are risks, and and people do fall down and they do sadly injure themselves. So we, we, what we're trying to say to people is just take your time, have a drink, go out, enjoy yourself, uh, but 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 at the same time keep yourself safe. How many injuries are there, Tony, that, that involve people? Just a bit tipsy. I can't believe it's that many that would warrant a, a poster campaign. You've got to remember, I mean, Network Rail. It's a national. It's a national yeah. uh, scheme as opposed to a, 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 a talk scheme. So, so across the network, there, there are there are unfortunately quite a, a lots of accidents involving slip trips and falls, and a lot of it, um, at, at, at the root cause of it, is the fact that people have had maybe too much to drink. Go on, go on to the on to the antisocial element. Yes, Tony. Again, you've got you, we have got you know a minority of people that when they've had a drink they start to behave in an antisocial manner, and that in turn affects our other customers. What what protection is there for other customers? We, we've all been on train carriages when a, gr- a group of drunk not not just lads, some drunk girls can be worse sometimes, and they come on and they're loud and they're intimidating and they're using bad language. What what, what protection is there? Well, I mean, what we do on FCC, we, we, we sponsor additional policing. Uh, I mean, we, we, we sponsor up to 1.1 million a year in, in additional police officers who patrol our trains. Um, ironically, only two days ago, um, I met with British Transport Police to arrange a, a an ongoing um, late-night operation involving rail staff and British Transport Police patrolling trains throughout the night mm. on, on the Thameslink route. Uh, between St Pancras and, and Bedford. Well, you, you mentioned um, staff, of course, and I, th- I had forgotten that, but they must also, um, uh, th- you know, g- get trouble from drunk parties as well, as well as other passengers. That's right, and, and, then, and that's why, especially late at night, when, when, when we know that there's a likelihood that uh, there's going to be quite a few people who've had 
uh, a lot to drink is that, that we're, when we go out we team people up uh, with British Transport Police right. officers and, and our rail staff. Tony, can, can I ask, are you by the seaside? I'm at Haywards Heath. Oh, I, I can hear some gulls in the yeah, background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm stood in the car park at the moment, <laughs> but still, I don't move, because in case you lose my signal. Listen, Tony, it's lovely. <laughs> we will let you go. Thank you very much. Tony Holland, Security Manager with First Capital Connect. Oh, those seagulls got me all uh, kind of nostalgic. I want to be not Brighton Beach. That's not a real beach. It's pebbles. I want to be on a nice sandy beach somewhere, eating a bag of chips. Cornwall will be nice. A big bag of salty chips and a pickled egg. Oh, yes, please. Talking about kids, there's a, 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 a campaign urging parents to talk to your kids when they're eating their meals. I can't believe we need a campaign that urges parents to talk to their children while they're eating. It seems obvious. It's obvious, isn't it? You sit down with your kids when they're... Oh, I can't do it. I'm too busy. No, you're not. You're not too busy. You, you've, you've spent the one minute thirty microwaving that pasta bake. Take it out. And even if you don't, you're not eating with them, sit down with them. How was your day? What did you do? Whenever I ask my boy, what, what, what did you do? Played with toys. All oh, right. Talk to them. Don't give them an iPad to shut them up. Don't give them a, 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 a mobile phone to keep them quiet. Oh, go on, watch, watch the, the, um, the twizzles, the wiggles. Go on, watch that and shut up. Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. If you do not sit down with your children and talk to them while they're eating, if you let them eat in front of a television, if you give them an iPad or other portable device to watch television on while they're eating, you are a bad parent. Oh, eight, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. Uh, Andy says on Facebook, mealtimes need to be observed by all in the family. No iPads, TVs, mobiles. In addition, stop feeding your kids rubbish, regardless as to their moans. Eat what's in front of them, be thankful for it, and go hungry if they won't. They'll eat it eventually. And Amory Gladding says, I work in a nursery with three and four-year-olds. We teach table manners to the children we look after. I don't think the parents always do. Quite a few of the children get up from their chairs, play with their food, cutlery, and shout across the room i know of a child who is allowed to eat his dinner in front of the tv and stays up till one o'clock watching telly what's on at one o'clock night screen those phoning cash shows and really children as a whole annoy me she continues when i went food shopping yesterday there were two children running around playing tag inside quite a small shop and the parents did nothing Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. If you don't talk to your kids when they're eating, if you give them an iPad or let them watch television while they're eating, you are a bad parent. Call oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. BBC Three Counties Radio. Coming up before eight o'clock, electric cars. Really? Well, uh, Milton Keynes is getting a shed load of cash, even though not that many people use electric cars. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. We'll have a quick look at the papers in a minute. But we're talking about bad parenting. There is a campaign. It's on the uh, the BBC website. Um, a campaign is being launched to urge parents to speak to uh, their children during mealtimes. I find it incredible, incredible that a campaign has to be started to urge parents to do this. Talking at mealtimes boosts children's confidence. Mealtime chatter helps boost children' communication skills. Suggests a study. By by the National Literacy Trust. You don't say. Talking to kids help them sc- helps them communicate? Really? Children whose families sit and talk during meals are more confident, but more than one in every four misses out on daily mealtime chats. 
For, here we go. Former EastEnders actress, mother and literacy campaigner Natalie Cassidy said, food is fuel for our bodies, so is conversation for our brains. It's obvious, isn't it? You see, your kids are eating a meal, stop dashing around, stop going off and watching EastEnders or uh, tidying. Or d- sit down with them for 20 minutes. 20 minutes. Why on earth did you have children if you can't be bothered to do that? It's the thing I don't get about boarding school going off on a town. Why would you have kids to send them away for 10 years? What, what, what's the point of that? 08459 455 555. If you do not sit and talk with your kids during mealtime, if you give them an iPad, an iPhone, or sit them in front of a DVD. You are a bad parent. If you allow your children to run around in restaurants, then you are, you're, you're in the, the fine burger company. Right, Mackie D's. And you let them run around. That is bad parenting. You are a bad parent. There's, there's no two... Uh, oh, I can't control him. Oh, but he's only young. 08459 455 555 is the phone number. No one has called in to defend this behaviour, yet many, many, many of you do it. More of you do it than we care to consider. Give us a call, 08459 455 555. I've got some bad news. Um, One of the show's regular contributors, Justin Dealey, um, has smacked himself in the nut with a post box. Is that right, Justin? Yeah, that's right, yes. <laughs> but yes. You're, you're, shoulder, you're shouldering soldiering on, uh, yeah, despite yeah. everything. You were a little groggy and pale, when you, and you being pale it means mm. there's something re- seriously bad with you. You were very groggy this morning when you came in. And I was dizzy, my head was spinning, yeah. Oh, that was embarrassing, wasn't it? It was a bit, yeah, sorry. So, tell us what happened. Yeah, okay, so last night I was uh, in my flat, and I was downstairs on the ground floor. Um, Yeah, morning to you, lads. So, I was uh, downstairs (laughs) on the ground floor, and... um, (laughs) 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 Right, We've done your nothing, Dooley! Why do people do that? We see a microphone, way, way. So, there I am, I was on the the ground floor of my flat, and I was by the post box, uh, which sticks out from the wall. It, It is, quite literally, a box in the wall for the people who are in that flat, you've all got an individual box. So, I dropped something on the floor, I came back up at speed and I smacked my head right on the corner of the post box and I split my head open. Sorry if you're having breakfast, guys, but this is real life. And it's literally... (laughs) It's literally not that much of an exaggeration to say he split his head open. No, uh, no. It, it was bleeding for quite some time. I thought I was going to have stitching. Yeah. I was terrified. I thought they're going to have to cut some of my hair out to stitch me. I was in a right panic for about half an hour. I put some salt on there. Uh, the bleeding then stopped, but uh, it's painful. But I can't blow Stop. dry my hair at the moment because it's going to be too painful for Stop. me. Stop. Mm. Collaborate and listen. This is back with a brand new invention. Ooh. Something has got a hold of me tightly. Moonmer something <laughs> daily and nightly. Will it ever stop? No, I don't <laughs> know the rest of the words. Did you just say you put salt yeah. on your wound? Yes, absolutely. Why on earth would anybody put salt on a head wound? That so, makes no sense at all. Hey, listen, your phone lines will light up right now because that's what you're meant to do. It's an old wives' tale, isn't it? If you get a wound, you put salt in it and it makes it a lot better. I have apparently. never... Right, oh, OK, uh, oh, I, I need help on this. 08459 455 555. Is this true? I have never heard that at all. So you, you, you woke up because you did pass out. Mm-hmm. You woke up, realised you were in trouble and you ran to the kitchen to find condiments? Yeah, absolutely. Here's a man here. Sir, can I ask you one quick question? If you have a cut, uh, an open wound, have you ever heard about putting salt on it? Yes. You have, and apparently it works. Uh, it's a good cleaning agent. Thank you very much. <laughs> there you go. There you go. 
Job done. He's now running for his bus. Oh, he's okay. now late for his bus. You've made him late. Oh, yeah. uh, I think we're getting some phone calls on this. Oh, yeah. eight four five nine four double five five double five. I've li- um, we, I've never I've never heard this. Would you put vinegar on there? I wouldn't put vinegar because that would sting. <laughs> yeah, pepper. No salt because um, I do like salt anyway. So soy I, sauce. I, I lick my fingers afterwards. No, not soy sauce. Sweet no. chili sauce. No. <laughs> no. You do like salt. You have to. You have way too much salt. Mm, lick my fingers afterwards. Lovely. Okay, yeah. so you pu- you put salt on your head, which I find absolutely. Uh, it- just stay there a second. April's in Luton. Good morning, April. Good morning. Uh, have you ever heard of such a, a-, a nonsense? Putting salt on a wound? No, I haven't. Uh, but I am slightly concerned. Oh. That he hasn't been to the hospital. Has himself checked out for concussion. That's, that is that is very true because he's rambling more than usual, isn't he? Well, he is, and I'd never normally have a concern about Justin Dealey's welfare. Mm. But on this occasion, I would suggest that he did, especially if he was feeling dizzy or if he was physically sick. He passed out, April. No, in that case, he needs to go because I know people. I'm not. This no joke. I know people who have hit their head and then three days later died. Whoa, this weekend was actually uh, going to be a big programme as well. We've got some uh, big guests on the show this Saturday, so I better... I think you need to go and have yourself checked out. Who's, who's on this Saturday, Justin? We've got Andy from Free, and he tells us all the story about uh, how he wrote All Right Now, which, by the sounds of things, I won't be All Right Now by Saturday. We should... We should probably get in touch with him just to, yeah. you know, <laughs> let him know it may not be happening. She makes yep. a serious... April, you know people who died three yeah, days after bumping their head? That's yeah, incredible. They, they, they fell off something and hit their head on the concrete and then died three days later. Justin, Can listen... Can we stop this conversation no, now? No, no, this is very, very serious. You passed out, Justin. You, you, you passed out yeah. or for you a second. sick, you need to go to the hospital. Yep. Ended up outside door number 11. Where am I? I don't live at door number 11. <laughs> and then you, then, you started, then you started pouring salt onto your wood. That's insane. Look, t- look, I'll tell you what. Stay there for a second. Yep. Madam, good morning. Have you ever heard about putting salt onto a wound? Let me just put, pull this out. Pull this out for a second. Okay. Have you ever heard about putting salt, salt water onto a wound? Would that help? Yes. So you've heard of it as well? Yes. Thank you. Ian, where have you been all your life? You just changed that to salt water because <laughs> you know. You, you are pouring that stuff, that, that bad stuff, onto your head yeah. directly. And then no, no salt water was involved, really. Uh, April, I appreciate your concern. Thank you. And uh, and uh, I, I understand what you say about not normally being that concerned about Dealey, but, you know, sometimes we have to look after the ones that are less fortunate than ourselves, don't we? Yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> April, thank you very much indeed. Dealey, listen. Mm, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I am free Saturday morning, so, uh, or, so maybe I should just be on standby, just in case. Yeah, okay. You put yourself on standby. Yeah, great okay. concern for your colleague. Oh. And I shall carry on asking parents about watching TV for you. I could do with the extra 45 quid that you get, so... Um, 50, actually. Ooh, it's gone up, has it? Five pound expenses. Speak to you in a bit, my dear. Yep, take Ta-ta. care. There we go, Justin Dilly. If Your uh, accidents, please. If you've injured yourself, uh, then do uh, let me know. Oh, oh, you're being harsh on Facebook. Glenn says, it's just a scratch. Man up, Justin. Jane says, sorry to hear about this accident, Justin. If you feel at all sleepy, pop to the doctor's or local A&E. You may have a slight concussion. The thing is, he'll be fine for the show. He'll get back into the office about ten past nine. Oh, oh, calf, calf, get us, get us a coffee, free sugars. I feel a little bit dizzy. He'll drink the coffee and then go, oh, I'm going to have to go home. I feel a little bit, ah. Oh. Michael says, I was doing some gardening for my mother. Oh, for goodness sakes. This is horrible. I was doing some gardening for my mother. Tripped backwards over a a low garden wall and ended up breaking my collarbone and wrist. 
facebook.com forward slash bbc3cr we'll get on to your facebook comments about bringing up kids in a bit but drunk people on train steve's in luton hello steve hello morning morning Stephen. morning just have a train for um well a carriage for people that have been drinking segregate them from the general public so people can be feel safe then can't they I have, uh, I don't think I've ever agreed with you before in my life, Steve, but you make, <laughs> you make a pretty good point there, a drunk, the thing is it'll be like a party carriage. Yeah, exactly, get, and the other things I don't like is when you call, you know, there's decent people out there drink, we get, we, you know, people get loud, decent people, I and mean, when you say drunken, it sounds like you're, you know, we're like, you're calling us like scumbags, because you get drunk and you, and you start, you know, you know, swearing a bit here and there, we have a few beers, most of us ain't like that, are we? When you say drunken, it's like a down and out. Well, Steve, Steve, how drunk do you get? Not anymore. I used to. I used to fall asleep, and then I used to get the police trying to arrest me for drunk disorder when I'm asleep against a tree. So, so that is da- Steve. That is down and out. You've just described down and out. <laughs> it's not down and out. A, drunk, a, a drunk man being a, What's wrong with that? A drunk man falling asleep against a tree being arrested by the police. That's no, the definition. Yeah, to, hold on, hold on, hold on. They tried to arrest me, and I argued the case. You, you beat them up. You beat them up. Beat them up. Ran away. I've got better things. I've got better. I've got better things to pay for my council tax and them trying to arrest me for being asleep against a tree. <laughs> I'm quite happy. They disturb me sleep at three o'clock in the morning. Not me. You can't do nothing in this country. <laughs> <laughs> they were disturbing your peace. Yeah, they were disturbing my peace. I should have arrested them. Citizen, citizens arrest on the police because they're freaking useless. <laughs> Steve, thank you very much indeed. <laughs> I never agree with what Steve says, but going back to the, ignoring his last point, going back to the drunken carriage, uh, that's not a bad idea. Get a bit of music playing. Get some. Get the lights down low. It, um, what is it? Don't come knocking if this this caravans are rocking. Is, is, is that is that a phrase? What does that? Oh, I just realised what that means. Uh, well, the same for the train. Just have a drunk carriage. Maybe having a little bar in there, <laughs> a disco ball. That would work, wouldn't it? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. The party carriage is leaving now. <laughs> I think there could be a good. Uh, there's something in that. Thank you, Steve. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Right. Morning. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. We've been talking about salutes. Um, after I saw a picture of the 1938 England football team doing a Nazi salute as they were playing Germany. And uh, it dawned on me, there aren't that many salutes. Now, I could only think of two, kind of the army salute and the Nazi salute. We've now increased it to army, navy, Nazi, brownie. Are there any more salutes? I thought we'd reached the limit. I tweeted it. Turns out there's, there's quite a few. Now, some of these I don't quite understand. The single finger, yes, OK, well, thank you, Mark. Ayatollah? Does the Ayatollah have his own salute? I can't imagine what that is. Uh, the two-fingered salute, Elliot, yeah, uh, Oliver, thank you. Uh, Mr Magpie, well, yeah, but that's just a standard salute to Mr Magpie. Uh, Councillor Jakob Hanif has a great one. The Spock gesture. I'll have some of that. Live long and plos- prosper. Plosper? Plop. Live long and plop. There are more up there as well. Gary's got. Uh, Gary's actually got a cracking one. We'll do that in a bit. Uh, you can uh, tweet at BBC3CR or at Ian Lee. Now, here's something. The government is giving Milton Keynes half a million pounds to install more plugs for electric cars that no one's bought yet. The government in February found an extra £37 million to invest in electric vehicles, and today they'll be announcing who gets what. Well, Conservative councillor John Bint is in charge of transport and highways at Milton Keynes Council. So do we know how much Milton Keynes is going to get, John? 
Yes, we do. We've, we've just learned that we're going to get uh, around about half a million pounds. It's a lot of money for a scheme that isn't very popular. I think it's, it's, it's a useful amount of money to help promote something that needs to get to a critical mass before it takes off. I think with the use of electric car, you clearly have the argument, well, we don't need to put any charging points in because there's no cars, and you can't buy a car because there's no charging points. So we need to get to critical mass. We're a pioneer on this, and this is really good news. But there are charging points in Milton Keynes, aren't there? There are 170. There are a lot. What they are is the traditional sort of charging point, which, which takes... Uh, a couple of hours or, or longer to, to charge the car. What the new generation is all about is fast charging points, so you can charge your car up in the time it takes you to grab a coffee and and be on your way for a further longer journey. So, which ones but, are these? Are these uh, the standard, fast, or super fast chargers? I think the vocabulary is moving just like it did with broadband. Those, I think these. The, I think these, those these, are the three these definitions. Are these are the, these are. They, they, you're, you're, there are super fast chargers. Absolutely. These are the fastest chargers available. And how long does it take to charge a car fully using a super-fast charger? I think they always quote it to the 80 or 90% full point, because the last 10% uh, somehow takes longer to cram the little bit of charge in. But basically, this is a a sub-half-hour charge. So it's going to take... So it's kind of like a coffee break. So it's going to take half an hour to charge it up to 97%. Something like that, yes. Okay, and you're, you're, you're sure these are the super fast? Because those, those are very specific definitions, aren't they? Absolutely. This is this is a sub half hour charge. Okay. The the problem is there are only a hundred um, people have registered to use the hundred and seventy chargers that you've got in town already. Uh, with money so thin on the ground, half a million quid to, to to buy even more chargers, it does seem a little bit pointless. I think if you've got something that, that is going to be uh, something that becomes increasingly popular, and I think there's something like 23 new models of electric car. But they're too uh, expensive, uh, aren't they, at the moment? That's the thing. They're too expensive for people to... And, and people may be concerned about the environment, but they're not going to spend 23 grand or whatever it is uh, uh, on a car just to help the environment when they can't afford it. I think that's that's precisely the point that, that everybody is making, that you need to have greater volume of these things to bring the prices down. And if you want greater volume, then it has to be seen to be very easy. And for it to be seen to be very easy, you need to have lots of charging points. So this is, this is all part of bringing the cost down by bringing the usage level up, by making it more convenient for everybody. And, uh, of course, Milton Keynes is great to be at the leading edge of this. A rental scheme was launched in January for electric cars. It's only had 31 bookings. That, that's one a week. It, it does imply that the, the majority of people aren't that bothered. Yes, I think that's, that's, that's a fair description of the present. I think that's what needs to be changed, because that's not good enough. We need to have more people aware of it. We need to have more people aware that Milton Keynes is, is being innovative on this. We need to have more people buy cars so the price comes down. And to do that, you need to have more charging points, including these fast ones. Well, having more charging points isn't going to bring the, 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 the cost of uh, the cars down, though, is it? It's all going to help in terms of making people realise how convenient it is, the fact that there are enough charging points, in the same way as if, you, if, if there weren't any filling stations, people would worry about using a car for a journey. You need to get to the point that there is the general perception that it's as easy to recharge a car. So oh. it is all part of it, and the more people buy cars, the more cheaper it gets for everybody else to buy electric cars. Half a million quid, John, what are you going to do with it? 
we're going to install, uh, I think it's between 14 and 20 uh, of, of these new super fast chargers. Uh, we're going to make sure that they're, they're, they're well signed, they're well promoted, they're available, and encourage the manufacturers um, to, to, to make sure that there's always electric cars in the, in, in the showroom so that more people get into the habit of electric cars. I think electric cars are great, particularly for the second car in a family often, where you may need one that's, that's a, a, a huge, great traditional estate car for family holidays, but actually one of the cars in the family never goes out of Milton Keynes, so electric cars would be fabulous for that. Uh, uh, here's an idea instead of installing the 14 or so rapid charge points why don't you, you, you spend some of that money uh, in encouraging people to use cars maybe put up seven rapid charge points and then use the rest of the money to to help subsidize people who want to buy electric cars um if milton Keynes is leading the way as you say then that that would be a great bonus and, and, and would make milton Keynes look great wouldn't it Interesting idea. Uh, you know from other conversations that I'm very keen that we promote all the all the types of transport we have. If we can, that's something we'll look into it. I suspect, I haven't read the small print, but I suspect that this grant is particularly for the infrastructure, and if that's what the grant is for, then that's what we have to use it for. Okay. But I take your point. We nope. will continue to, to do the promotions as well. Okay, well, here's, here's another thing. If it is for the in- infrastructure, then uh, why don't you make it so that electric cars get free parking in Milton Keynes? That, that would encourage people a lot, wouldn't it? And it would encourage them to drive into town. That's kind of you to suggest that. Uh, we already have that. If you use an electric car and electric uh, one of the reserve spaces, then you get free parking as well as free electricity. So, yes, we're already doing that, but perhaps we can do it with more spaces. On the other hand, you'll record the balance of how many spaces do we need to have dedicated for a very small population of cars. Oh, not that it many. It's a difficult balance. We're doing the best we can. John, listen, best of luck. Nice to talk to you. It's Councillor, Conservative Councillor John Bint in charge of Transport and Highways at Milton Keynes. Uh, on the subject of salutes, I know it's a bit partridge, but I don't care. Philip's from Harpenden. Good morning, Philip. Good morning, Ian. Philip, we're trying to uh, amass as many salutes as we can. We've got the Army, the Navy, the Nazi, the Brownie, the one-fingered, the two-fingered. Less said about that, the better. The Ayatollah. I don't know if the Ayatollah has got his own salute. What have you got for us? Well, you get plenty of one and two salutes in Milton Keynes around the roundabout. Yeah, there's a few of those, yes. The old AA salute. Oh, but the, the AA, yes, they used to do that. If you had an AA badge, they'd salute you. But that was, that was a standard kind of military salute, wasn't it? It was, yeah, yeah. the old, uh, what's it on the head, and how are you, and all what's that. What's it on the know. head, yep. Yeah. The other thing was the accidents in the garden. Oh, yeah, go on, after Dealey's cracked oh. his head open, what, what have you yeah, done? Yeah, well, I've done the same. I mean, I was having a barbecue the other afternoon, sitting there, uh, with the windows closed above me at the kitchen. My yeah. wife decided to undo oh, the window there. without telling me, and as I stood up, I caught my head on the corner of the window, and left half my head there. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> did, was, did you have a gash on your head? Oh, it was bad. When I turned around, I mean, I haven't got much hair anyway, but when I turned around, it was like I'd been scalped. Was there, was, was there a clump of hair stuck to your yeah, window? Uh, yeah, right on the corner. Oh, um, uh, do you know what my wife done? Yep. Stood there laughing. <laughs> That's the thing. That's what they do whenever whenever anybody walk it it is funny from the outside whenever and I bet you were furious, weren't you? I was I was saying, Call blimey, I said, you know, <laughs> and things like that. But she does that. I mean plenty of accidents are bad. I fell down the stairs before and she stands there laughing like Mutley. <laughs> Philip, thank you for that. A reference that only people above a certain age would get. Thank you, Philip, for censoring yourself as well. We do that though. 
I can imagine, I've hurt myself and my wife or kids have laughed at me and boy do I get angry. Will you stop laughing? It's not funny. I could have died. Nearly died there. Other salutes. Gary uh, says the 21 gun salute. I'll have that. We'll put that on the list. Uh, The US Marine salute. Um, and uh, there's a few more coming in. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. The Rimmer salute. That's from Red Dwarf. Apparently, I've not a program I've never, never understood the fascination with. Tedious, tedious, tedious. The rock and roll salute. Of course. There you go. Look at that. Thank you. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up between now and JVS at nine o'clock, including the Matrix signs on the M1. Does anybody believe them? Well, it seems they're all over the shop. It's supposed to make the road safer, but does it? Hey, you, the Rocksteady crew, show them what you do, make a break, make a move. Don't be drunk on trains. It's bad for you. It can also be quite annoying for everyone else. Well, a safety campaign is being launched today. But the more we investigate, the more it seems to be just saying to drunk people, mind that step. And Justin Dealey has banged his head on a post box. We're going to be asking about your injuries this morning. Oh! If you don't sit down with your kids at mealtime and talk to them, you are a bad parent. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Text 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or, look, the phone lines are free now, so do give me a call. 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, these matrix signs on the motorway, they're supposed to be a quick, easy way for the highways agency to warn us of roadworks, breakdowns, stray cows, and generally anything in the way that shouldn't be, because obviously, without uh, forewarning, uh, we wouldn't stop and we'd just go ploughing into them, wouldn't we? Wouldn't we? Well, as my caller yesterday, Mark, said, it's not quite working out that way. I do 13, junction 13 to 9 and back every single day. Yeah, nice working day. The logic behind the speed control is just, well, there isn't any. For the most part, you'll find you'll be travelling along and they're all set at 60 during periods where traffic is busy. And then all of a sudden, for no apparent reason at all, you'll find, them that you'll find one goes to 50. And all of a sudden, everybody's braking slow for 50, thereby creating a bottleneck. And then you'll see the next one goes back to 60 again. For example, this morning... Gone on at 13, signs are all 60, um, and then for no apparent reason between 13 and 12, they drop to 50, and then they drop to 40, and then they're back up to 60 again. And then you get to um, Toddington Services, the first sign after the Toddington Services has got the uh, keep left sign indicating that the hard shoulder is closed after uh, the Toddington Services. The very first one after that then says congestion use hard shoulder, and you think, hang on a minute, so you're up and down the speed all the time, approaching 11 on the southbound, uh, three signs before the junction, all of a sudden you've got 50 and 50. Now, there's no change in the density of the traffic. It's all moving perfectly happily. It's not building up. If there'd have been traffic building up leaving the slip road at that junction, I could have understood them perhaps slowing the traffic down a bit. But there wasn't. It was clear. And then the next one is 60, the one between the uh, exit and the entrance on the southbound. Um, and then you've got one at 50, and then you go up to 60 again. 
Well, that was our caller, Mark, yesterday. And I promised him we'd have uh, a look at this story, and I set my team working on it yesterday while I went home and drank pina coladas. And it seems that Mark isn't alone in his feelings about these signs. These lorry drivers who used the stretch between Junction 13 and 9 had real safety concerns for drivers when they spoke to our reporter, Justin Dealey. In peak time traffic, yeah, very dangerous. Um, because people don't take any notice of them anyway. Because it's just like a rat race. Everybody's in order, everybody wants to get from A to B as fast as possible. But the idea that, that people are, are slowing up, using the brakes, it goes from 40 to 50 to 60, then back down to 40 again, by people constantly speeding up and then braking, do, do you think there's accidents waiting to happen there? Yes, because it, it just causes a concertina effect. If somebody breaks in front, everybody does the same. And... Nine times out of ten, it will cause an accident. Well, they could be, because you'll get people pulling in front of you from the outside lanes when there's no need to, and causing more congestion. And they can cause accidents, obviously, because the lorry driver's not expecting the vehicle to pull over because he's going quite well while the lanes are moving, and all of a sudden people start pulling in. Do you think we are going to see a serious accident very soon on the M1 unless something is done about it? Well, it's obvious it's going to happen, isn't it? They're often frustrating, they're often left on when they should have been switched off long ago. Traffic will slow down at a 40 or a 50, and then when you get to where the incident's supposed to be, there's absolutely nothing at all, and the traffic is just built up for nothing. I put this question to one of your colleagues here a moment ago, and I said, if this continues, do you think these matrix signs will cause a serious accident? And it's got to be until that happens that, that something will then change. An accident will happen, it's, it's a surprise that it hasn't happened already because you, they, they change from 50, they'll go to 40, then the next one they'll go up to 60. There just don't, doesn't seem to be any continuity between them and an accident will definitely, a massive accident will follow. There doesn't, never seems to be anybody switching them off or checking on them. I don't know quite honestly what they're doing, to be honest. Well, there are concerns. I'm joined now by lawyer Nick Freeman, who's also known as Mr Loophole. Morning, Nick. Morning, Ian. Nick, are, are you a fan of this, this current system? No, I'm not at all. I share your listeners' views. I mean, in, in my view, they're dangerous. The highways agency should be promoting a steady driving on the motorway. Uh, and what we have here is wide variations of speed, as, as your listeners say, for no apparent reason. And um, we don't know what the guidelines are. There don't appear to be any guidelines. So we imagine that there are several people in an office who decide, right, we're going to put that at 40, we're going to put that at 60. But the, the difficulty that um, people will have is if they don't comply with these um, variable speed limits, they will be prosecuted for speeding because um, they are mandatory. That means they must comply with them. Um, the speed is measured over a very short distance uh, and uh, they will be prosecuted if they don't comply with them, which of course will cause more braking, more um, hazardous driving um, because of the distraction that they cause. Uh, so do people who get caught like this have any argument? Can they say, well, hang on a second, I was on the motorway doing 70, suddenly it flashes up 50 and I didn't slow down in time? Yes, I think that they, they certainly do have an argument because um, the, 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 the speed varies literally from each gantry to the next. Uh, and uh, I think a, a well-written letter to the highways authority or to the, to the particular prosecution concerned uh, may well not fall on deaf ears. It, it depends. Um, the, the difficulty in this country is the driver isn't supplied with any information as to why we have the reduced speed limit. Uh, if you travel on the continent, you're constantly told 10 kilometres up the road, um, there's a broken down vehicle, you know exactly what's happening. What happens here is 
there appears to be no reason behind it. So people don't even believe it's actually there for, for, for a proper reason. Uh, and some people don't comply with it. And if they don't, it's at their peril. But it, it's certainly worth writing and making representation. And if that doesn't get anywhere, then it's worth contacting some expert advice. And how does it work on the gantries, Nick? Is it that you're, you're, you get flashed and your picture gets taken at one gantry? Yeah. Is it an average speed? What, yeah. do, what do yeah. they do? It, 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 it is an average speed, but it's not an average speed between the gantries. Oh. Um, so there's a camera on the gantry, uh, and as you go under the gantry, you get flashed, and you will note that there are certain lines um, beyond each gantry. And those lines are uh, uh, over a pre-measured distance, a very short distance, and they conduct a secondary check to make sure that the speed camera is working correctly. Um, so, in effect, they corroborate the speed camera. Um, so, it's a very short average distance that your speed is measured. If there aren't those lines there, then, of course, they can't conduct that secondary check and the speed test is invalid. They can't enforce it. Another thing I've heard, Nick, I don't know if this is a, a myth or not, it's to do with the font that's used on yeah, the on the matrix signs. Right. Absolutely right. Our motorways are awash and have been recently um, with font, which is for advisory speed limits. That means they're not compulsory, they're just to advise the motorist. But people have been prosecuted on the basis that these advisory speed limits are, in fact, mandatory. And the font is different, and it, it's a very technical thing. The speed limits, uh, the, 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 the reading is slightly different. It's more elongated. Um, and what this has been on the M1, the M25, the M42, literally all over the country. Uh, and... There has been massive inconsistency in the way that these have been dealt with. Some people have pleaded guilty. Some of those people have had their convictions overturned. Um, some, on some occasions, the prosecution have resisted it. Many people have simply had their cases discontinued. And it would appear, well, it's true, that the authorities have known about this for some time and sat on it and continued prosecuting people. I assume hoping that the people uh, were unaware of the fact that the fondue was defective. Uh, and people have paid up, but of course, once a lawyer's got hold of it, um, that then they go to the prosecution and say, look, the font's defective. And as I say, there's massive inconsistency in different areas of the country as, as to how these matters are disposed of. Well, it's all very confusing, but Nick, I, you, you've helped explain it slightly. Thank you very much. That's lawyer Nick Freeman, known as Mr. Loophole, uh, and he's talking about defective fonts. Hey. Oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Do you see what I did there? No? Oh, it doesn't matter. Salutes! Army, Navy, Nazi, Brownie. No, it's not a careers office meeting. Those are the only salutes I could think of. It turns out there are a few more. Matt's in Stevenage. Hello, Matt. Hello, Ian. How are you? I'm, I'm, I'm all right, actually, all things considered. Thank you for Thank asking. You. Uh, now, what have you, have you got a salute for us? Um, well, it's more of how the salutes uh, take place, to be honest with you, because oh. I was in um, the Navy myself, and we dealt a lot with the Marines. Oh, yes. And um, when I first joined up, they told us um, the reasons why our salutes are different. And the Marine salute, basically, they show the palm of the hand to the, uh, to the person they're saluting. That's the Benny Hill salute, isn't it? I couldn't tell you, to be honest with you. Okay. I might be a bit too young for that. All right, so. steady on. Okay, but yes, yes, I'm doing it now, yeah. Um, yeah, so they show the palm of their hand to the person they're saluting to show that they're unarmed. Okay. Um, whereas Navy personnel... Um, Sneakier. They, sh they show the back of their hand to the person they're saluting to, show, uh, to hide their grubby, filthy hands. Oh, I see. That's interesting. Who would win in a fight between the Navy, the, the British Navy and the US Marines, Matt? Without oh, any weaponry or anything yeah. like that, mano a mano. 
Oh, that's that's easy. The uh, the Navy are always drunk and always up for a fight, so they they beat seven bows out of the eight. There we go. Fantastic. You heard it here first. That's an exclusive. The Navy. Can we investigate that? That that's tomorrow's lead. The Navy are always drunk. Thank you, Matt. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number. I'll be reading uh, some of your Facebook comments about um, kids uh, in a little bit. I, I do think if you if you do not. Sit and talk to your kids. Loads of people saying, oh, yeah, you shouldn't talk while you're eating. Oh, don't be so stupid. Don't, don't come at me with your smug, quick replies. You speak in between mouthfuls, you fools. And very quickly, on the subject of injuries sustained, Jenny Witherall on Facebook. Can we try and get hold of Jenny and find out how this happened? I suffered a slipped disc eating breakfast. What? BBC Three Counties Radio. Who's... Whoa! Whoa! Hey! Whoa! Whoa! Hey, Justin... Uh, Jonathan's... Is that gonna... happening to you too? What's happening? What's happening? Jo- oh. Right, hang on. Is it... Right. What's it's you. Out. What? JVS. Try try the green one. Try, try, try this one. Is there that better? Go. That's better, yeah, that's better. Hell... Uh, oh, 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 oh! Are you... What's happening? Have you been magnetised or something <laughs> last night? <laughs> Did you did you make love to a microwave or is something? The, what are you wearing? Is it made of uh, polyester? Good lord! Am I radioactive? <laughs> <laughs> Listening to your show, my dear. No, I'm joking. It's a. <laughs> oh, it was. A, it was mean. Cheap. It was cheap and cheerful. Catherine oh, it Boyle seems was, to have gone now. The crackling. What? He shut that one. It can't be that one. Oh. No, no, it's no better. It's no better. Thanks, Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it short. <laughs> well, let's do it on this one, and it works. Can we move this out of the way? I can see those gorgeous baby blues now. <laughs> You're so weird. So, uh, Jonathan, <laughs> lovely to see you. Thanks. Looking, I'm not uh, sure I believe that. No, it is nice. Always nice to see you. Looking very summery. You've got a lovely, lovely tan. Lovely, uh, Thank short, very much. Lovely yes. tight top on there. Showing uh, tight. It's not tight. It's a polo. <laughs> Is it? It's a polo top. It looks very good on you. Thanks. Uh, what have you got? <laughs> I've got literally nothing to say. Sometimes you're a bit creepy. Uh, what, what does that mean? I say that in the nicest way. With is, respect. Is there a respectful way to call someone creepy, JVS? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you're kind of looking me up and down in a rather, dare I say, predatory way. Listen, uh, it's midweek. I'm hungry. <laughs> and you look mighty fine. <laughs> I'm hungry, you know. Right. <laughs> Can you stop it now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's blushing. And he's uh, actually composing an email to the boss about bullying at work. Tribunal. Tribunal. A few quid to be made. I'll split it with you 50-50. Yeah. We could be like those um, uh, those gentlemen that f- arrange car crashes. Oh, yes. Uh, crash, for, f- crash for cash or whatever. The old crash for cash. Bash crash. Ba- well, do you fancy a bash crash? <laughs> <laughs> Again, no. Uh, what have you got on your show this morning? Well, coming up on the big phone in this morning, uh, we're going to be discussing Paul Lamb who's very much in the news today. Ah, yes. Um, And I'm going to be asking on the big phone, should doctors be allowed to end the suffering of people like Paul Lamb? The Court of Appeal will rule today if a severely disabled man can be legally helped to die by doctors. Paul Lamb, who's almost completely paralysed from the neck down, says his quality of life is non-existent. The wife of the late Tony Nicholson, who had locked-in syndrome but was unable to end his own life, will also be appealing today on behalf of her late husband. So this morning I want your views from Nine. Should doctors be allowed to end the suffering of people like Paul Lamb? How many times do we have to have cases like this mm. where people say, my suffering is too great, I all I want is for a doctor to give me an injection, 
give me a tablet, give me whatever it is, a drink or whatever, mm. just to end my suffering. And yet time after time after time, the courts keep denying these people this right. Yep. Is it fair? Or has the time come now to say, you know what, we've got to uh, give people that right. We've got to protect the doctors who want to help people to end their suffering. Your views on 08459 from 9. I, I can't see any argument against it. The arguments you'll get will be uh, the Christian lot saying, well, it's, uh, it's God's decision. Well, okay, it's not. Uh, and you'll get the, the people filling up saying it'll be exploited granny will be bumped off you know years before she's ready to go well it won't be because it'll be monitored and it'll be policed and it would be you know it would be a very select few i can't see any argument against it i've got family who live in holland and of course over there they have full-on euthanasia which is uh do they in yeah. holland yes absolutely. i didn't realize okay. and my my uncle's father he had terminal cancer and he was kind of riddled in cancer it was everywhere and he'd you know he'd had a number of years of trying to fight cancer yep. and in the end he just kind of had had enough he was the suffering was getting too great so he called his gp uh his gp organized a day and a time wow. that he would come round. All of the family arrived in the morning. They spent the whole day around the bed. Mm. They laughed, they talked, they, they reminisced, they shared photos. At seven o'clock in the evening, the GP arrived. He came in, he gave him an injection, and within five minutes, he'd slipped peacefully off. That's incredible. And their memories as a family of that are, you know, positive. His, his death was something that was kind of positive his suffering had ended and they actually had a really nice day mm. reminiscing before it happened and they're left with really positive memories and actually if we if we're honest wouldn't we all like something like that if our suffering was to get too great when my dad died this year he died of cancer and for, and, uh, for the last couple of weeks he was completely out of it was in a lot of pain and was you know was, was rambling and talking nonsense and uh, if he had have, have come round and been lucid enough and said ian could you you know could you help finish this? I, I, I would have done. I, I would have done. And I, I, I don't see... But I you don't, can't. That's you can't. The thing. That's you the can't. thing. I don't, I don't see any point in, in living like that. If you're in pain and if you're miserable and, uh, you know, and if it's been over an extended period and there is no recourse, no coming back... And I tell you what, it point. really frightens me. Mm. It really frightens me. If you, uh, 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 last year, I think it was, I went to see a doctor and uh, this doctor started asking me about my family history of cancer and i said well actually my mum died of cancer and the doctor said oh wh what kind of cancer i said well it's and i gave the details of this yeah. certain kind of pancreatic cancer and she said oh well if you were in america they'd be doing a scan on you every six months because you're in a high risk oh really uh category of perhaps getting that yourself oh, my dad had pancreatic cancer oh, am i in high risk god i thought this is awful because i watched my mum go <clears> and i thought oh, this is awful i don't know and it frightens me the prospect that if we haven't got this right by the time you know my time comes mm. you know what's going to happen to me am i going to go the same way as my mum i'm not sure i necessarily want that mm. we're going to discuss all of this this morning from nine call 08459 455 555 bbc three counties radio It's also the number to give me a call if you want 08459 455 555. Network Rail have launched a safety campaign. This is going to be a good show, by the way, from 9 o'clock. I should be listening. Network Rail have launched a safety campaign to stop us staggering about drunk on station platforms. Posters will be put up with optical illusions ooh, of wine and beer glasses, giving the impression the page is moving. Hang on, if you're drunk, it will be moving. It's hoped it will make people think twice before getting sloshed and letting the train take the strain. Well, joined by Mark Smith now, who runs a train website called Seat61.com and lives just north of Aylesbury. Morning, Mark. Good morning. Mark, uh, you are an expert in all things rail travel. I've, I've been led to believe you are. Has, has drunks at stations late at night always been a problem? 
I think it has. Back back in the 1990s, I was the station manager at uh, Charing Cross in London. And uh, this is certainly nothing new. Friday nights, of course, were worse than Saturday nights because you've got the office crowd coming back along with the first of the weekend crowd. So I think, uh, yeah, it's nothing new. It's always happened. I think it's human nature, really. Network Rail is launching a series of posters that will show wine glasses dancing around. It's not going to do anything, is it? Well, I wonder how you get the message across. Do you get them across to people when they're sober, in which case they won't remember when they're drunk? Or do you try to get it across to the people when they're drunk when it's not really what they're focused on? In fact, if they can focus, they're probably not at risk. Mm. The reason, uh, one of the reasons Network Rouses are doing it is, is, is not necessarily um, disorderly behaviour, but to protect drunks from falling down escalators and tripping over benches and, and, and things like that. If I'm completely honest, Mark, it sounds like a huge waste of money. It is a bit like, I mean, you can't argue, it, it sounds like such a good thing to do, but it's a bit like pushing water uphill. Mm. Um, are you, I mean, if... if do you really get somebody not tripping over on an escalator because you tell them not to trip over on the escalator? The thing is, I could I I'm, I'm, I'm going on the underground later on in, uh, in that there London, and I, I've tripped up on the, on the escalator several times, and I've been stone-cold sober. It's just one of those things, isn't it? I think it probably is. I, I, I do have to say that, you know, as, a, as a station manager. Uh, in fact, I think there's another problem. If you keep putting messages like this, take care and don't fall over on the escalator, keep your bags with you, on all the information screens, people stop reading them. Mm. So when you do need to put something useful up, like all our trains are cancelled, please go to Paddington for uh, where Great Western will accept your ticket, nobody reads it. It's, it's a, a good risk there. It is a good point. We, we, we can become desensitised the information around us. Mark Smith from uh, Seat61.com. Thank you very much indeed. Well, Andrew Mizzle is from Alcohol Concern. Andrew, you wrote a research paper a few years back, didn't you, looking into alcohol on public transport. Is it really that big a deal? Well, it's interesting. I mean, one of the things that comes up quite a lot is the issue of, of disorder on the trains, which is something that um, Network Rail say that, you know, they're not looking at. They're looking at safety and people tripping over, as you say. And that was very interesting, actually, because there was a little bit of snobbery came up there, and this often comes up with drinking, in that people would say, oh, yeah, we're very concerned about, say, lads coming back from the football match with their cans of lager. But whatever you do, don't stop the people in first class having a nice glass of wine uh, with their dinner. Uh, and that, that's quite a common idea, I think, that, you know, wine drinkers are civilised and, and beer drinkers are, are the problem. But um, I think one of the interesting points that, that came up, and this all uh, um, ties in with what Network Rail are trying to do, is that the police were saying that, because um, we were looking at the alcohol that was sold on the trains, and the police were saying, well, the big issue is the fact that people got drunk somewhere completely different, and then they've turned up and they're trying to get home. Mm. Um, and to, I mean, to some extent, uh, public transport is probably the, the, the best place for people to be when they're drunk, because I suppose the one thing you really want to avoid is them trying to go home in their own cars. Yes, well, this it, is what I thought. We, we're encouraging people to use public transport, aren't we, when they've had a few to drink? Well, certainly. I mean, if you look at the, the last Labour government and their alcohol strategy, there was an objective in there to get public transport better organised to get drunk people home. Uh, and if you look at um, London, as we've been talking about this morning, uh, New Year's Eve and uh, around Christmas, I think, the, the tubes run quite late and they run free of charge because people have realised that if someone's drunk in the early morning, uh, you don't want them driving. You possibly don't want them walking home because there's a quite high uh, number of pedestrians, drunk pedestrians killed in the, in the small hours. Uh, and although it might not be very pleasant for the other travellers, uh, 
the train or the bus is possibly the best place for someone to be when they're trying to get home when they're when they're um, over the limit. We had one caller suggest, and I, this kind of makes sense to me, Andrew. A drunk carriage, where if you've had a few beers, you're a little bit worse for wear, you get on that carriage, that way you don't intimidate any of the other travellers, yeah. you, you, you're kind of kept to yourselves. That, that's not not a ridiculous idea, is it? A drunk coach, a bit like the old smoking carriage, is it? Yeah, exactly. You it's know, you have the quiet... in one place, yeah. Um, I wouldn't like to be the person who tidies up that carriage afterwards, but you... You know, I can... I can s- I can see some merit in that. You, you make um, a very strong point, Andrew. Yes, you wouldn't want to clean that. We have to end it there. Thank you very much indeed. That's Andrew Mizzle from Alcohol Concern. 08459 four double five five double five. I will read your Facebook comments about um, kids' meals. And I, I say it again. If you don't sit with your children when they're eating or you plonk them in front of a DVD, you are a terrible, terrible parent. Call 08459 four double five five double five. BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh. Coming up in the last 30 minutes of the show, but a little bit of uh, a throw forward to what's happening tomorrow. We, we, we want some uh, some help from you for tomorrow's show. I'll tell you about that in a, a few minutes. We're also talking about Justin Dealey's bonds. But, 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 a new campaign has been launched urging parents to speak to their children at mealtime, saying it builds confidence and their language skills. You don't say... Well, how stupid are parents that they n- need a campaign to be launched that urges them to do that. Surely it's the most natural thing to sit down with your kids at mealtime, ideally eat with them, not always possible, but at the very least sit and talk to them, ask them how they're doing, how their day went, what they, um, what they liked about the day, what they didn't like, what they want to do tomorrow. Surely that's, that seems obvious to me, and, and I will say this now. If you don't sit down with your, parents, uh, your kids at mealtime, if you shove them in front of a DVD or an iPad watching the, the hoobs or the wiggles, you are a bad parent. Oh, it's not... Oh, no, that's not fair, Ian. It's not always easy to sit down with them again. It's not always easy to sit down with your kids for 20 minutes. How is that... Po- if you've had time to put that pizza in the oven, then you've got time to sit down with them for 20 minutes. Don't keep... Let's keep the... Can you shut up, you lot? Here, watch this. Watch Rasta Mouse and shut up. No, 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 no. Sit down and talk to him. Turn your mobile phone off. Spend some time with your child. If you don't, you are a bad parent and you don't deserve uh, to have those children with you. Well, we've uh, been speaking, uh, asking Justin Dealey to pop out and get some views on this. Justin, where have you been and who have you spoken to? I've been in Luton this morning, Ian. You are going to have an absolute field day with this first oh. clip. Um, just take a quick listen to this parent. Here we go. So, Katie, you're here with your child today. Would you let your child watch TV during dinner time? Sometimes he does, yeah. Oh. What would you let him watch? Because oh. yeah. <laughs> Ian has got this theory, I'm going to put this directly to you, that, that he says that if you're not having a conversation, if the TV's not turned off, that makes you a bad parent. Now, as a parent who allows their child to watch TV during dinner time, what would you say to that? It's rubbish. It doesn't, it doesn't affect him whether the telly's on or not. He eats his dinner the same way. Doesn't what it? the conversation, though? What, eating with your, uh, talking with your mouth full? If you're eating, you're not talking, are you? I mean, he's quite young at the moment. The older that he gets, let's just say it's 
five years old, ten years old, will you still allow him to watch the TV? You still think there's nothing wrong with that? The conversation at dinner time, you're eating, so you don't really talk anyway. Oh, so for I don't see goodness sakes. That makes the talking and having conversation. Oh, what a... Th- we've had lots of people saying this on the Facebook, Justin, and mm-hmm. it's getting me angry. That woman... How old was her kid? Um, her child was, what, um, two years old, oh, three years old? Oh, that's heartbreaking, that poor, poor child. That nonsense... Oh, you, you don't talk when you're eating. Loads of people have said that on Facebook. <laughs> what what happens? You, you go out for a romantic meal. Yeah, you've you been out with a meal for a girl with a girl, Justin. You don't yeah. talk for an hour and a half. You just sit there eating, and then you wait. You, you, uh, when the first course arrives, right? Sorry, I can't talk to you now until I finish dessert. Nonsense. Incredible. You have a few mouthfuls. You put the cutlery down. You chew your food. You swallow it. You talk. You pick up your cutlery. Of course, it's common manners, and it's a basic thing. It's yeah, absolutely. It's not rocket science. We go at what two or three times a week. We go to the local cafe after the program. Whoa. We're eating together. We don't just sit there and don't say anything. It's about having a conversation. You know, if you go out with somebody on a first date, where are you going to go? Angry, yeah. You're going to go to a restaurant. Yeah. You are going to talk. I don't understand how you can go to a restaurant or have dinner at home and not talk. And listen, I'm not knocking CBeebies. CBeebies is wonderful. They yeah. show some brilliant programs. You do not plonk a two-year-old in front of CBeebies while they're eating their supper. But it makes no difference because he's eating and he can't talk. Oh, it's ridiculous. Uh, 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 lazy answer. You spoken to mm. anyone else? Yeah, well, I spoke to uh, another parent now. This man, he doesn't allow his child to sit down and watch TV during dinner time. Here's what he had to say. Uh, I just actually think that TV these days actually teaches children to act in certain ways. Um, and I don't believe it to be very good for children. I can believe it can hinder their speech, especially with some of the programmes you get these days where they talk funny. Mm. You, I mean, you only had it a little while ago where the Teletubbies were making children walk around talking, you know, just ridiculous. Uh-oh. So, yeah, exactly. So, obviously now, obviously, I'm very careful about what I allow my daughter to watch. And um, Ian's been saying today that that if you let your child watch TV during dinner time, that you're a bad parent. So, based on what you're saying, you'd probably go along with that, would you? I wouldn't so much say you're a bad parent as such, because obviously every parent, all parenting is different, if you see what I'm saying. But I just think at dinner time, you should be sitting at a table. Obviously, it's also family time, isn't it? Mm. Obviously, you spend time with your wife, your child, you, you have conversation. Oh, which is a word that people haven't heard in a while mm, since the yeah. invention of internet and <laughs> <laughs> you know so obviously yeah. that time is then reserved for talking you are, he's good that he, he's mm. he's he's right about some programs there are a lot of brilliant kids tv programs better than we had in the 70s and 80s but he's right conversation you teach them the skills of conversation and conversation is talking to someone and then listening to the response. And that's what you're learning at mealtimes. Well, still now, you know, in my 30s, if I'm having dinner with my parents, the first thing my mother does, she gets the remote control and she turns the TV off. She wants to find out what I'm doing. I want to find out what she's doing. So even now, to sit down and have that conversation, yes, I'm very close with my parents, but but to go round and and all sit round and watch the TV together during dinner time would just feel wrong to me. Justin Dealey, thank you very much indeed. Oh, I'm angry now. I'm angry that someone would actually think it's a valid excuse to say, oh, you don't talk, you're not supposed to talk with your mouth full, so you might as well watch TV. Oh, for goodness sakes. Liz Fraser is the author of the Yummy Mummy's Survival Guide. Are you as angry as I am, Liz? <laughs> You know what, as I'm listening to you, I'm becoming more and more wound up about this one. It's fabulous. Honestly, though, what is wrong with people who have children and don't speak to them? And as somebody just pointed out to me on Twitter, actually, because I've been tweeting about this, listening to children. Listening, Hello? Yep. Why don't people listen to children? Do you know, I always used to, though, when my, when my children were, were smaller than me in height, when you talk to them... Bend down a little bit, yep. put your eyes on their level, look at them, and talk to them. Yep. 
mean, this, this survey is just shocking. And always, I, I did love that, though, yes. Well, there's, there's no point, there's no point talking to them at the end because they're eating, so they can't. Oh, there's so many clever what dicks have put... did you come from, you know? Liz, Liz, if you could just move ever so slightly, because you're breaking up, and I do want to chat to you, but oh, it is, it, it is that, 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 so many people have done that line, oh, well, you can't talk their mouth this full. Well, what happened, what, a restaurant silent? Well, we go for meals. Meals are, are to enjoy the food and to enjoy the company and the conversation. And you're right, uh, by sitting with kids and talking to them, they learn how to listen, they learn how to respond, yeah. they learn how to carry on the conversation and ask questions after a statement. Yeah. They learn that what they have done that day is valid and important. Yeah. Oh, I'm angry. You know, it, just, it just points to a, a complete disregard for children in this country. We have uh, so many people just treat children like like this is dirt. There's some sort of vermin that's got in the way. That exactly, you know, shut up, be quiet, sit down. Um, and the, the thing about confidence, I thought, was really interesting mm. in the survey that said that children who are not spoken to at home and at dinner time, at meal times, are much less confident in the class, confident to raise their hand and make a make a point, have a point of view, and. That that's what you're learning when you have a conversation with children, to, uh, to teach them to feel strong enough to have a point of view, to make their point, to be listened to and, and to be disagreed with. That's okay. Um, but, oh, gosh, the damage that is being done. And the dummies, you know, you see people with five-year-old children just yep. shoving dummies in their mouth. It's all to do with that. Be quiet. Go away. You have no place. The new thing, and I was, su- I was surprised my brother-in-law does this. I can say this as he's now safely left the country. He's a very intelligent gentleman, but he has two daughters. Uh, what are they? Four and one. Something like that. Four and two. Mm. Uh, and uh, at mealtimes, they shove an iPad in front of them showing uh, the hoobs mm. or something like that. Well, that's yeah. no good. It is no good. And in fact, we know, to, to bring this actually to a slightly different angle, which is obesity and health and food, we know that if you're busy doing something else, if you're distracted by something else while you're eating, you don't concentrate on the food, you don't concentrate on what you're eating, and you eat much, much more. So that's another whole factor in this. You know, rather than sitting down, chewing your food properly, having a break between mouthfuls, hello, in which point, you know, you could actually have a conversation. Mm. We're just shoving food down their mouths. Yeah, watch, watch telly while you're eating, at which point you're not, you're not concentrating on anything properly. It's, it, it breaks my heart. It's, it really is heartbreaking to me parent, how many children are being raised this way. Well, and there are parents saying, well, uh, we, we haven't, got, uh, haven't got time to sit. You've got 20 minutes. Oh, come 20 on. minutes exactly. to sit down. Even if you're not eating, sit down yeah. with them and watch them eat. Is that nice food? What did you do today? What do you want to do tomorrow? That's all, yeah. that's all it takes. Why have you got kids otherwise? Exactly, and, and, and actually I, I often don't feel that I have time to sit with them, so in those circumstances I'll be in the kitchen or whatever, unloading the dishwasher or making tomorrow's packed lunch, but at least talking to them. Mm. Um, it's just no excuse, and sometimes I think we ought to have a license to have children, you know? I mean, sometimes I think you ought to be able to pass a basic, basic humanity test. Do you know what, You're, we're <laughs> beginning to sound a little bit fascist, but, but, I, I agree with you. You have to have a license <laughs> you know I mean, to, no, I have to agree with you. You have to have a license to drive a car, you know, you yeah. should have a license to have kids. If you're so stupid that you can't figure out that sitting down and listening and talking to a child is really important to their health, their mental and well-being, then frankly, you shouldn't have one, right? <laughs> exactly. We'll talk with a slightly fascist hat on. Yes, <laughs> Liz, listen, it's lovely to talk to you. The line's going again, so I shall let you go, but thank you. Liz Fraser, author of the Yummy Mummy Survival Guide. What do you think? You've got 15 minutes to call in. We heard one mum there speaking to Justin, who thinks it's perfectly acceptable to plonk the two-year-old in front of the CBBS while the two-year-old eats because they can't talk while they're eating their mouth is full
Wow. Things like that, and it's not just that woman. I'm not singling her out. We've had um, lots of comments like that on Facebook. Things like that break my heart. I was going to say maybe once in a while as a treat. I don't even know if I'd do it as a treat. Well, maybe once in a blue moon. But I'm not sure I'd even do that. If you plonk your kids in front of the TV, or in front of a DVD, or in front of uh, your tablet, and you don't talk to them while they're eating, you are a bad parent it's as simple as that you are missing out on the joys of learning about your child and also the joy of educating your child oh eight four five nine four double five five double five does anyone think i'm being a bit harsh does anybody agree with that um mum that was speaking to justin and think oh come on ian put them in front of cbb's while they're, they're they're having their sausages there's nothing wrong with that stop being so grumpy now on tomorrow's show from 7 30 for a whole 30 minutes we're going to have the uh, the company of the new chief constable of bedfordshire police colette paul so tomorrow from 7 30 uh, the new chief constable of bedfordshire police colette paul will be joining me in the studio we've been waiting a month for this we don't want to waste it so keen to get your questions for her is there something you want to ask her about policing about uh, reduction uh, in funding uh, about your area it can be uh, it can be about the whole county of bedfordshire it can be about your town it can be about your streets anything you'd like to put to her about the bedfordshire police well you can get in touch now you can email me ian.lee i-a-i-n dot l-double-e at bbc.co.uk we're also going to put it up on our facebook page um uh, a little uh, place where you can leave questions so uh, in the next couple of minutes uh, work experience ollie who's been demoted uh, will be posting on the facebook page details about colette paul coming on the show i'll let you know when that's up there uh, and you can go there and you can leave your questions so just to say uh, chief new chief constable beverage police colette paul on this show tomorrow from 7 30 for 30 minutes it's a brilliant opportunity uh, for you to have your say you can either email your questions in or if you want to speak to her again email uh, e- email ian.lee at bbc.co.uk and um, one of my team will get back to you at some point and we will sort that out uh we've been talking about the matrix not the disappointing sci-fi movies but the matrix signs on the uh m1 between junction 13 and uh junction 9 and it was mark who brought it to our attention Mark's called in again. Mark, what's the problem? Hey, morning. Morning. I think we need to put, we need to put in a call, uh, a call to State Zoo. Um, the escaped monkey's been found. Oh, he's not running the um, the machines again, is he? He's pressing the buttons in the IOS agency uh, matrix control office again. What on earth, what's going on now, then? Uh, well, I got on at 13 about uh, 15 minutes ago, and uh, signs, very first sign set to 60. Yep. The first one after that set to 50. Right. And then all of the other signs set to 60 up until the point where you get down to junction uh, 11 on the southbound. The three preceding signs to the junction are set 50, 50, and then 60. But then everything's been 60 right the way through till you get to junction 12, where, there are, where the signs aren't on at all. And then after junction 12, the topic of services, they're back on again. So <sighs> it's all a bit inconsistent, I'm afraid. I've got, we've had an email from Chris and Milton Keynes who's saying pretty much the same thing, but with some different speeds around, which makes it sound like they're moving the speeds around. Uh, well, he made so much sense, the guy from the Highways Agency, but it, 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 that, that just sounds absolutely ridiculous, Mark. Well, it's like we said earlier, the, the, the potential idea was great. And when yep. it works, it does work really, really well. I have to give them credit for that. However, 
Um, there's something wrong with the implementation that means that it's just inconsistent. And like the truckee you spoke to earlier said, at some point, the very thing that's supposed to keep us safe on this road is going to cause a major accident. And I really have got to look at it. I am worried now that we've been talking about this yesterday and today. I am worried that at some point in the next month, six months, whatever, we're going to be doing a show uh, reporting on a massive accident on the M1 and, you know, that, that, that things could happen. Mark, listen, I appreciate you bringing this to our attention. Uh, we, we will keep a nose on it and an eye on it and an ear on it and we'll see if we can find out any more information and you keep in touch and let us know what else you spot. Appreciate it. We'll do it. Thank you very much, Mark. And uh, thank you to Chris and Milton Keynes as well for your uh, email detailing that and some very nice comments as well. Oh, I've just got a feeling that at some point we're going to be doing one of those shows. There's been a major accident on the M1 and... Oh, dear. I do hope not. I really do hope not. Well, uh... Keep us informed. Keep uh, It's incidents like these where you are our eyes and indeed our ears. And by the way, if you've got a story for us, uh, we're only doing this, um, uh, the Matrix signs on the M1 because Mark phoned up yesterday and mentioned it. And suddenly it's became, become the major thrust of our show today. So if you've spot something, uh, if you've got a story for us, uh, then uh, do get in touch. Um, ian.lee at bbc.co.uk and uh, we'll have a look at it. If it's not right for this show... We'll forward it on to another show. Quite often I get stuff that isn't really appropriate uh, 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 for this show, but quite often it fits into Nick Coffer's um, uh, description and uh, forward that on to his producer. So it, it will get seen by the right people eventually. Now, Justin Dealey, he's, uh, he's a good lad, he's a good lad, he's a tough nut to crack, but boy, did he try and crack that nut last night. He came in, well, I saw his Facebook status saying, oh, smash my, smash my head on a mailbox, hashtag felt like a right so-and-so. Uh, and I laughed hysterically. He came in this morning. I said, Justin, what's wrong with your bonds? He showed me his bonds. It looks awful. I laughed hysterically. Justin, what... <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. Oh, you're cruel, man. Very, very cruel. But what, yes. there's nothing... There's an ancient Chinese proverb. I won't do it in the original Chinese, but it's mm. something like, there's nothing funnier than watching your neighbour fall off a roof. <laughs> and it's true, Justin. But th- th- what did you do? Oh, I cracked my head open last night on a post box. Now, for those that obviously live in a flat, a bit like me, they'll, they'll know probably on the ground floor they have... Yeah, morning to you, sir. Uh, <laughs> the same fella. <laughs> following you around. Stop, stop stalking! me <laughs> go away <laughs> and to you so um there i was last night uh, the ground floor of my flat and it's got a communal post box uh, for the people that live in those properties so i bent down i dropped something and i came back up and i cracked my head on the edge of that post box that's exactly what it is it's a box which is on the wall and i cracked my head on the edge of that post box i then stumbled ended up outside door number 11 didn't know where i was Wowzers. what i was doing and i was bleeding quite badly Wowzers! well we've we've had lots of comments uh, uh, about this justin a lot of people are quite seriously concerned about the state of your health are they well yeah there are some people we've, we've had several suggestions that maybe you should go to the hospital we had a nurse calling in saying you need Ooh. to go to the hospital because and i quote you could die Wowzers. And I, listen, I, I, despite what happened last week, I don't want you to die. I mean, yeah, a little bit of suffering. You probably deserve it. But yeah. but dying, just, come on. I know, but then again, I'm a man, you see. Somebody said on the Facebook comments earlier that I should man up. It's just a little cut. So you are getting two sides of the story, to be fair. Yeah, Martin says, soft lad, it's just a nick. Mm. Um... How do you manage to hit your head on a post box? PMSL. I don't know what that means. That's from Tina. Um, Susan, oh, to my injury. Susan says, I got whiplash changing a light bulb. 
Wow. Flipping it. That could be your top story tomorrow, talking about audience interaction. Okay. Oh, and June says, I haven't injured myself, but can I just say, old women slipping and falling on the ice, not funny. Middle-aged pillocks who present radio programmes slipping and falling on the ice, hilarious. (laughs) Yes. I'd love to see you do that. I would definitely laugh at you if you did that. I can just block June as well. Hang on a second. There she goes, blocked. Right. Uh, Justin, thank you very much. Take care of yourself. Go and have a lie down. Drunk people on trains we've been talking about as well. Richard is in Dunstable. Richard! Good morning. Good morning, Richard. He should have been advised to go to his doctor, not the hospital. Uh, he should have called 111, shouldn't he? Uh, well, or something like that, because the, 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 the A&Es have got to deal with all the drunks and drag addicts before they deal with real people, unfortunately. Well, yes, you're, you're right. You're right. But, yeah, <laughs> we, uh, we are told by councillors, by MPs, yeah. by the um, corrupt EU that we have to allow drunks and drug addicts and that to be on public transport. Yeah. If we want to travel on a bus or a train, why should we, the public, have to put up with being intimidated or assaulted by drunks and drug addicts and um, oddballs like that? Why should should we have to put up with it? Because we're told um, by somebody else that they have got a right to travel. They have got the right to uh, be drunk and be obnoxious and, and, and vomit um, all over the place and, and intimidate people. Why should we have to put up with it? Is my is the question I'm asking. Well, how are drunk people and drug addicts supposed to get home from a night out? That's that's their problem. They it's a self-inflicted injury, in my opinion. Um, you know, I. I, I, <laughs> sorry, I, I don't get rolling drunk and can't find my way home. Um, it's, it's down to them. But why, okay. but why should we, as, as a passenger, have to put up with it? Richard, sorry to cut you short. I, I, you've made your point. Thank you very much. I just wanted to, um, uh, reference Tewo, uh, Akinrowo on the Facebook page. He's not happy about my, what I've said about kids talking, uh, eating and, uh, having conversations. Ian is talking balderdash. I've been listening to him and got angry enough to like this page. Ah, that's good. So I can make my contribution. And that yummy mummy too. A bad parent is simply one who does not find her sitting time to sit and chat with their children, period. An Americanism. In Africa, talking at meals is frowned upon as a person could choke on food! Taywo, really? I personally don't like to talk while I'm eating. I would rather be reading and listening to music or watching telly. Not with your kids, I hope. I don't welcome anyone disallowing me to enjoy my food either. What, not even your children? Oh, for goodness sakes. That way I can chew properly. I've been told it's part of the reasons I'm slim at nearly 50 years of age. In short, spend quality time with your children anytime. Family settings and cultures are different to one another. Okay? No, Taywo. It's not okay. Lots of you agreeing with me on Facebook that it's best to sit and talk with your kids at mealtime. Well done, you. Don't forget, on tomorrow's show, I'll be talking to the new Chief Constable of Bedfordshire Police, Colette Paul. If you want to get in touch, go to the Facebook page, post up your comments, or send an email, ian.lee at bbc.co.uk. JBS up next. Ta-ta. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian.